What is up, guys? Thank you so much for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. That is right. We are back from our hiatus. Thank you guys so much for listening in. I'm your host, EJ Stu. We got a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about on today's show. Big trade in the NBA just happened yesterday. We'll be talking about the move by the Houston Rockets, sending Russell Westbrook to the um, Washington Wizards in return for John Wall. So we'll break down that trade. We'll give you guys uh, um, who we thought got the better of that exchange. We'll also talk a little briefly about the NBA Christmas Day slate and the opening day slate as this season kind of gets pieced together. We're starting to get a a better picture of what we actually will be seeing (laughs) on the court because there's still a lot of question marks. Um, We just... I think today learned when the trade deadline will be. I think it's going to be on March 3rd. So it's it's a lot of, a lot of uncertainty. But um, we're starting to, 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 to learn a couple of things about this season. Um, so we'll talk about the, the Christmas Day slate and the opening day slate that was open, that was announced by the NBA this week. College basketball season's underway. We'll give you guys our thoughts on what's been happening with college hoops. You know my Zags are doing their thing, so you know I'm happy about that. And then we got to talk a lot of football, man. The NFL uh the boatload of stories. Obviously, we can't go through a million of them because we've been off for like a month. Um, but but we will talk about the NFL. We'll talk some college football as well as we get towards the end of both of those seasons. And we got Kendall's court. It makes its return at the end of the show. Uh, Kendall joins me on this podcast. So I'm happy, Kendall, uh, that we're back doing sports again. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what, what we've been doing? Because I know a lot of people, if you only listen to the podcast, you probably are like, you know, where have you guys been in terms of sports? We have done the other podcasts, Imperial Broadcast and Sports, um, and excuse me, uh, Hero Talk. But Sports Talk has been, uh, you know, at least a month or maybe more than a month yeah. uh, since we've been on. So you want to tell them a little bit about some of the content we've been we've been doing that has been sports related, just hasn't been on the, on the podcast uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously glad to be here. Glad to be back to Sports Talk. Uh, very excited uh, to really talk about, you know, a lot of these topics that we talk about on a daily basis anyway, but now share our conversations with the, uh, with the masses. But yeah, no, I mean, we've, we've been, we've been grinding the last, uh, two months, basically. Um, essentially we, we, if you're, if you follow our YouTube channel, as you've seen, we did a breakdown of NBA, every, every all 30 NBA teams, uh, and their pre-draft, uh, outlook. Um, coming into the off season, coming into the draft, and uh, obviously it took a lot of time. And given the fact that we also do, uh, I do the Imperial broadcast. EJ does Hero Talk, and um, and you know we also have have our own stuff that we do outside of the outside of the, the New Generation Network. Um, we you know it, it 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 was tough to be able to do a, uh, to do a sports talk every week, uh, but now we're we're back. And, you know, sports are back, you know, because there was also a hiatus after when sports kind of shut down. There wasn't much to talk about, but, you know, the shutdown. So we, we were a little more inconsistent there as well. But, you know, now the sports are, are back and seem to be, you know, up and running. We, we will have plenty to talk about now. So this is uh, this should be exciting. But if you are, you know, an NBA draft fan, like, you know, there will be more NBA draft videos and there'll be videos on other topics pertaining sports and, uh, and our other stuff as well that we talk about with Hero Talk and Imperial Broadcast. So definitely check out New Generation Media on YouTube. But um, but no, I'm excited because, you know, as, as someone who uh, listens to a lot of different sports podcasts, there are times where I, you know, kind of wish that I could just, you know, jump into jump in on the conversation. <laughs> I, right. I realize I have my own podcast for that. Right. So why, 
why 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 am i envious you know i i could just do it and so you know but you have that itch but at the same time we we wanted to get our draft content out so we were able to get that out the draft was a success um you know we weren't able to do a podcast on the draft but it we honestly we gave you way more on youtube than you would have gotten <laughs> you know a 40 minute podcast or an hour long podcast so um but you know hopefully you guys enjoyed all of our draft content um and now you know the nba season nfl seasons and the college seasons are really uh really in full swing now so it should be exciting yeah and shout, shout out first of all to uh all the guys uh, and, and women whoever everyone out there who uh checked out our youtube videos on the on the nba draft um you guys were outstanding i mean our growth in our audience over the last um couple months really since the summer it's just been explosive uh, really yeah. is the only word to describe it you know we're seeing such great feedback getting such great um uh, subscriber at, uh, additions and you, we starting to really see the fruits of our labor and that's really because of you guys it's because of you know the listeners who who transfer over to the youtube channel um and and to the people who check out our youtube channel that are now coming to the to the to the podcast you know welcome to you guys as well you know this is a very exciting year um it's been a disappointing year considering you know the what the world is like obviously but it's been um a exciting year in regards to just kind of what we've been able to establish on our YouTube channel and, you know, I, you know, was, I think we're going to continue to be a work in progress for the next, you know, several months. I think you'll, you know, we'll be, we'll be here doing a podcast, you know, we, we usually do it every week. I think we'll, we'll be back to doing it mostly every week. Uh, but you know, there's going to be a lot of other stuff we're going to try to get, get, get going, especially when we get into 2021. So, uh, make sure you just stay locked here, man. The content's not stopping. You know, even if we go on a little hiatus like we just did on Sports Talk, I know it was kind of unannounced. It kind of went up being unexpected given um, how we work, but we kind of just realized as we are working, we're like, man, just there's no way really we, we could do here at Sports Talk and get these videos out in time for the draft. So um, so thank you guys for bearing with us. Thank you guys for checking out those videos. Um, for anyone who wants any post-draft content, there's plenty of videos on that as well. So it's not even just stuff pre-draft if you want to learn about the players that were drafted in in this draft and um and are playing for your team you want to know how your team did going into this off season or going into this regular season rather make sure you check out our channel once again that's on uh youtube new generation media let's get off to kendall kendall let's talk about this trade so uh we got a woes bomb last night i think it surprised a lot of people it kind of came a little bit out of nowhere yeah yeah i think so i mean well, let's let's have that conversation. So, um, so so Woj dropped again his Woj bomb. Kendall suggests maybe it's the last of the offseason, but I will say pause maybe on that. Uh, weeks after requesting a trade from the Houston Rockets, All Star point guard Russell Westbrook was dealt to the Washington Wizards. In return, Houston will receive another All Star point guard in John Wall and a protected first round pick in the 2023 NBA draft. Westbrook played just one season with the Rockets after being traded by the Thunder last offseason. Uh, and it was, he was hampered last playoffs, last postseason by a quad injury that, you know, really, really, you know, kind of just diminished his game by the time he, he tried to get back out there on the floor. And he was just not the same player by the time we saw him. Uh, and tail end of that Thunder series and the whole series against the Lakers. Wall, who hasn't played an NBA game in 2018, tearing his Achilles, previously to that injury, he had uh, heel surgery that was supposed to sideline him for eight months. So it's been a long time since we've even seen John Wall play in an NBA game. So, Kendall, these are two of the most bloated contracts 
uh, in the NBA right now. So I guess in in hindsight, it kind of makes sense that these are the two guys that got traded for each other. We kept saying, will someone take a risk on Wall? Will someone take a risk on Westbrook? Well, turns out it was just the other teams who had the same kind of contract, same kind of player that ended up taking a risk on each other. Uh, Kendall, if there is a winner in this uh, transaction, who do you think that would be? Uh, if there is a winner in this, um, it's tough. I mean, obviously, this isn't really one of those trades that you really feel great about. Uh, just as a fan, you're like, you're watching, and you're like, man, this, this could go off. This could go poorly for both teams. Um, but obviously, I think if there is going to be a winner, um, it seems more likely that it would be Washington. But I also think if there is going to be an obvious loser, seems more likely to be Washington. Washington. That's, a very, that's a very interesting way to uh, to come to that yeah. conclusion. Please explain yeah. that. Yeah. So it seems as if Washington is the team that's taking the bigger risk in this in this scenario because, I mean, they could have held on the wall and basically been the team that they were last year, but you had Denny and you have a John Wall. Whatever John Wall is, you kind of just deal with it. And you just, you know, say we chalk it up to, look, we're the Wizards. And and then you move forward, and whatever happens with Beal, you have you have Beal as a trade asset if things go poorly. Making this move now, you've signaled that you're trying to win basketball games, and which I actually am fine with because they have they have long term franchise cornerstone pieces in Rui and Denny that they've been in the last two years. You really liked what Rui gave you last year, and Denny. Um, we talked about him in, in all, all of our draft videos, not all of them, but a lot of our draft videos. He's, you know, one of our, he's my, my favorite prospect in this draft um, outside of Anthony Edwards. So, um, you know, you have to be excited about bringing in a guy like Denny, but they're trying, so they feel like, all right, we have our two franchise cornerstones tanking and doesn't really help us. Get, get, let's get a guy like Westbrook, let's keep Beal, and let's try and win basketball games. I like that, but again, this could be awful. You know, if Westbrook is the Westbrook that we saw in the postseason all year, you know, or if he's like or the Westbrook that we saw in the initial parts of the season, then of last season, then I mean, this this could be a train wreck. Washington could not make the playoffs. And now you're stuck with Westbrook. Um, Bill, obviously, Westbrook's not the funnest guy to play with when you're losing basketball games. Really not the funnest guy to play with probably if you're winning basketball games. But um, so it, it's 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 high risk. In terms of the positives, again, you're competing for 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 for, for you're competing in the Eastern Conference. Um, the East is so bad that just off of sheer talent on the roster, you feel like they're they're a likely playoff team. Um, and you do bring in guys that while Westbrook can be tough to play with sometimes and it's tough to watch. He is a good guy in the locker room to have with young players, and I think his winning experience and his 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 uh his work ethic is good for a guy like Danny. He's good for a guy like Rui, who are obviously young in their careers, and Rui just played on such a bad team last year. He, having Bradley Beal helped, but even then. You know, even Beal seemed a little defeated at times last year. Now having Westbrook, yeah. um, you feel like they're they're gonna 
they'll feel a little better about themselves. The Rockets, they I mean, this is, this is nothing. I mean, they, they, they probably took a step back, you know, from a basketball perspective, but they don't care. They're like, whatever, we got an asset. We'll take the step back. Right. So, I mean, I get it, but the asset isn't enough for me to, like, be super excited. Um, so one of the interesting things about this deal is the word we're getting out of it is that Harden, who had we didn't even get to talk about any of this because it's been so long. Harden, who has requested a trade, by the way, um, and, and right, and is for by all accounts the preferred destination is Brooklyn, with some sprinkling of maybe yeah. he wants to go to Philly too, but Brooklyn being the main thing. Uh, that he, his preference was John Wall, and and that this would appear to be a move that could appeal to him, given. They acquired John Wall in it, and they got rid of Russell Westbrook. Now, another interesting in, tidbit is that – sorry, what were you going to say, Kendall? No, I was say, and you bring in Boogie. Right, and, and DeMarcus Cousins. So now you got a Kentucky – got Kentucky ties there, um, given that uh, Cousins on a one-year deal. And they, of course, played uh, – him and John Wall played at, at UK and formed that uh, really dynamic duo down there. But um, but another interesting tidbit about this whole situation is that Wall – and Harden have worked out together this summer. They, they've ran fulls. They've played um, out. I believe they were in Los Angeles this summer multiple times. John Wall spoke about how he, he wanted to run with him and KD and those guys because he felt like that was the best way to see how he stood up. And um, if there's anyone who thinks who, who would think John Wall can play, it would be James Harden, considering he's the one who has seen him play. You know, he's the one who's gone up against him one on one. He's the one who's seen him up close and personal. So the fact that, and the fact that he, it sounds like he's he he would like this kind of move is interesting. I'm questioning whether or not I believe that because that just seems. I don't like if your your if your idea is I need to play with guys like KD and Kyrie. I don't know how John Wall makes you feel any better. Yeah, John Wall, Boogie Cousins. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah. I, I I don't believe. Both yeah, coming off Achilles injuries. Both yeah, and my thing is, and my thing is like again, even if he saw John Wall and he looked great, I think Harden is smart enough to be like, yeah, but like he's coming from an Achilles injury. Like he he may not look like this every game. How's that gonna? How is he gonna be able to play back to backs? Um, will, will the wear and tear affect other issues? Like he he's he's. I mean, we kind of we don't give James Harden enough credit for being like a super smart superstar <laughs> like like he's not like like you know like i know like because of the way he plays because of the way he sometimes the perception of him off the court they kind of think that he's just this kind of aloof guy doesn't i mean he knows ball and he knows things yeah, he's very calculated right so like i i, I don't want to say i just don't believe Woj when he says that you know this is a preferred acquisition for harden but that just seems bizarre to me that he would prefer wall over westbrook but that's <laughs> a big caveat, but maybe having seen Westbrook for a whole year, having played with him in the bubble, maybe he he sees something in Westbrook that he just feels like, yo, this guy can't, he doesn't have it anymore, and maybe that was uh, a big impetus to him wanting to leave because he was like, I can't play with this guy, we're never gonna win none, and the fact that he thinks that Wall potentially could give him a better chance, I mean, that says a lot about Russell Westbrook to me, to me, if that is all true. What I will say is, I I, I think. But did, but then we didn't sorry, we hear the same about Beal. Didn't we hear that Beal wanted Westbrook? 
So like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, again, he's not Beal isn't working out. But Wheel, yeah, Beal doesn't work out well. And I don't. I think those guys are like, they're like siblings who like don't talk to each other and like don't hang out. Like I don't think, like right. I don't think he would know if Wall was good or not. I just think he knows that guy's coming off Achilles, and I need someone who can help me tomorrow. Like I don't like I like that's the I don't think that they're beefing. I don't think that they're not on the same page. I think that they like when they get on the court, they're great. Um, I'm not trying to cause that kind of like controversy, but I think they're like they're the kind of you know how like we're not these those kind of siblings because all four of us are really close, but there are like other siblings where like they don't talk. <laughs> like when yeah. they see each other, it's all love and they they do whatever and stuff. But they don't talk. They don't know what that guy's doing or that girl's doing. Like you know they doing their own thing, whatever. They got their own family. Whatever. That's how I. I've always kind of looked at Wall and Beal's relationship. Like, for the time they're together, they do their job and they're great, and I think they do enjoy each other. But I think in terms of outside of basketball or whatever, I just I, I don't – so for him, I think he's just like, I haven't seen this guy in two years. I, I will take anyone over him at this point because of that. So if that's that situation, that's kind of how I read into that. I don't think he knows one way or another, like, how good or ready Wall is. What I will say is I, I think that, to me, the way I look at this trade – this is the only team, not the only team, but this is maybe one of the only teams that I would have co-signed taking a chance on Russell Westbrook is the Washington Wizards. Um, really? Wall is the only guy with a worse contract than than Westbrook in the NBA, maybe. Maybe except for, maybe except for Horford, maybe. But, like, besides him, I mean, he's the only guy. who said who And I have to say he, has, he, he definitely is one of them because he hasn't played. I mean, we've seen Russell Westbrook play at least at an all-star level. Now, he hasn't been what he used to be, but he's still been an all-star the last two years within in the midst of this, like, you know, guy garnering, if that's even a word, um, contract that he's playing under. Wall has just been collecting the cash. He hasn't even played. So I, I, I can live with this team making this move because, to me, they're like the mini Milwaukee Bucks. They're, they are operating under the, the guise of, Bradley Beal is a diamond, and we cannot lose him under almost any circumstances. Do I agree with that assessment? Not really. But if that's how they're going to move, it's not crazy enough for me to not to, to, to for me to just like kind of bash any risk taking they may take. Um, because one, I think that Beal is they they they. I hope <laughs> that they're smart enough. That if things really, really do look soft at a certain point, that they would trade Bill before getting to like a free agency situation and losing him for nothing. Um, but two, I, I think that there is a chance that because of the way the Eastern Conference is slate is, is stacked up right now, this Wizards team may end up surprising people. You know, I, I you know me, I, I haven't been the biggest Russell Westbrook guy over the past two seasons. Um, you know, I saw someone I posted, I told, I sent you a tweet saying that you know, oh now. Washington finally got someone that's willing to give the car keys to Bradley Beal. I'm like, this is someone who clearly has never heard of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> so I don't know that. I know you know that was a concern in Washington that John Wall never really wanted to give away the car keys of the franchise. I don't know who the hell thinks that <laughs> Russell Westbrook is willingly taking the backseat to anybody. But I actually think that Westbrook, personality-wise, is a much better fit from a leadership locker room standpoint with Beal than Wall was. Um, to me, Beal and Wall were both kind of too cool for school leaders. And I don't think both of your leaders should be like that. I think you need one guy that's really going to 
And I think, honestly, because of the losing, we kind of saw Beal. I think Beal was great last year, but we did see some moments where you could see him. He kind of just was out of it because he's like, this is a, a hopeless situation. Um, I think adding Wall to that mix wouldn't have been necessarily the best idea. So adding someone like Russ who, who, who would rather die than lose, I think is the exact kind of leader this team would need with pairing with a guy like Beal, who's a lot more of a lead-by-example, lead-with-my-play kind of player. Um and, and and I think I think I agree. I think that the aspect of him being in that young locker room, some of those guys, a Rui, a Denny, Avdia, I think those guys are really, really going to benefit playing next to a guy like Russell Westbrook in terms of the locker room fit. Yeah, he's going to get the most out of those guys from a from an effort, and you know. Yeah. Now, are there? Yeah. Now, I, I you know we talked about it on draft video. I think shooting is an issue for this team because they only have two really. This doesn't yeah. help at all. I don't – Denny, the draft pick, didn't really help that aspect as well, though I love the player, so I'm fine with the pick. So does yeah. that become a, a concern? Maybe. We'll see how that ends up taking out. I don't know if I'm starting Denny at this point. If you pretty tell me I got Westbrook. I mean, I don't know who you're putting at the at – Yeah, the who, you put in, who you putting at three? You putting Troy Brown at like, three? Troy, Troy Brown doesn't really help you in that regard either, but – To be Troy Brown, it should be your backup primary ball handler. Yeah, it should probably be your backup point guard. I was wondering maybe Denny has that – ability but you may want to bring him along a little slower um yeah, this team but, desperately needs to like i mean if they're really serious about trying to make a run in the east they would need to make a trade for like some sniper some guy at the two yeah. he doesn't gotta be great but just some like a jj reddit type like that kind of guy right if they had that kind of guy this team i think would be a playoff team for sure i don't know if this seems like guaranteed playoffs with this team but i think you got to get him a shot because of uh the way the East shaking up, I mean, now, I think, yeah, I mean they definitely, they definitely could be Orlando, you know. Yeah, well, we, we don't know what Indiana. Indiana seems to be in flux. I mean, you know, so far everybody's back, but they've gone through a lot of turmoil. I mean, I don't, I just don't know. Yeah, what it's going to be the season. It's telling Dennis Smith can't wait to play. With you. <laughs> uh, he denies that, by the way. But yeah, that that was the reports that he wanted to run with Damian Dotson. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's what we were hearing. So you know, I, yeah. So I don't know what the deal is with Indiana. They wanted, they wanted, they tried to trade Miles Turner. Kevin Pritchard is talking in the in the in the in a press conference recently, saying, "Yeah, I mean, we want, we definitely tried to get Hayward. Wish he would have came here, but you know, couldn't get it done. Which means that they were going to trade one of them. Yeah, the only way the only way Hayward would have been there is somebody was gone. Yeah, so. exactly. So I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, wow. I don't know. Very a lot of a lot of very tumultuous over there. Um, like you said, Orlando should be decent. A lot of it depends on, you know, uh, what do they get from Cole Anthony? Um, and, you know, Mo Bamba, hopefully he can get healthy. He's still kind of dealing with his issues um, with COVID, and he hasn't come back yet. So, you know, hopefully he can get healthy. But, it, it, I mean, the, we, the East is, is, up for, is, up for the, is up for grabs. I mean, Chicago is a team that you really – you probably feel like, all right, they could be better. Now that we got the whole Jim Boylan situation out of, you know, out of the way from a – from a on paper standpoint, I think they kind of lit their pick on fire, uh, at least for this season, uh, with Patrick Williams. But even still, on paper, um, they seem like a better team than Washington. That and last, yeah, and lastly, quickly on on Houston, I, I'm not I'm not convinced that this isn't a precursor to a, a, a James Harden trade. I know that they 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 they're sitting with the disposition of this means nothing about John about. James Harden, we are completely committed to moving forward with him. I, I mean, to me, if you're a team that's, I know John Wall 
is a guy he may like. But, I mean, to me, if you're a team that's really trying to woo a superstar to stay in your city, to me, John Wall is just not the kind of move you're making. That's just a crazy, to me, that's a super crazy risk that doesn't, that doesn't yell to me team trying to win a championship. You know, not not when you traded, you know, Robert Covington for draft picks. Like, they made other moves that don't equate to, I'm trying to help James Harden and show him that we trying to yeah. win. Yeah, so no I don't, real. I don't buy this thing that they're trying. Like I think that they are getting the, they, they're, they're they're greasing the wheels and getting ready for it. But they know that that Brooklyn offer is trash. So they're not, they're not, they, they know they're not in a position to do anything immediately. Yeah, they're but in the right. But they're, but they're, they're getting ready. Yeah, Game Harden no. will not, he will not be on the Houston Rockets at least by next the start of next season. I mean that I think that's like and that's, that's being generous. Yeah, that's a guarantee. I would argue. Yeah, you could argue like I could say mid season maybe. Yeah, yeah, it could be by the by the by the deadline. I mean, yeah, but someone someone gets desperate trying to win a championship. It's like I mean, I, there's no way you don't put a team out there and your two best players, second best, your third, your second and third options are two guys coming off Achilles surgery, and you're trying to say that that's our way to woo our our yeah. superstar yeah. all time, yeah. one of the greatest scorers yeah. in NBA history type guy. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Because had an Achilles and then an ACL. Wall, what did he have? Like a broken kneecap and then a Achilles or something like that? Like He had knee both. issues and then he had a heel issue and then he tore his Achilles. Yeah. I mean, just. And I say just, that to say I hope that all those, both of those guys get back healthy. I, I love watching those guys play. Yeah. But that's just the facts of the situation. Yeah. And look, uh, that that's the only way you brought, you, you outlined it perfectly. That's the only way this works out for Houston is John Wall is not that far away from being John Wall. If John Wall is like. 70 percent 70 80 percent of what he was then i mean you'll you'll live with it he's younger than than westbrook and he's probably a better basketball fit i mean and, and, I you, and you got a point and you got a draft pick yeah and you got the draft pick so you, you chalk it up to all right whatever and the last thing i'll say about Washington, you mentioned the shooters i think bradley bill we'll see a more off the ball version of bradley bill more akin to what we saw from a couple years ago you know, I don't think we'll see as much of the, you know, the James Harden-esque, Luka Doncic-esque version of Bradley Beal as we've seen without John Wall, where he has the ball in his hands and he can play. I think we'll see more out the Ray Allen version of him, which is almost equally deadly, uh, even without the, the usage rate. Yeah, that's a, that's that's some good stuff there. That's good analysis, Kendall. Um, uh, let, let's move on, though. Let's talk about the uh, NBA Christmas Day an opening day slate, so the NBA announces opening tip-off games and the Christmas Day uh, rundown. So let's uh, break it down real quick on December 22nd. Shout-out to Shamari. That's his birthday, uh, host of the Imperial Broadcast and co-host on um, Hero Talk. Uh, the Nets will host the Golden State Warriors in a matchup of Kevin Durant facing his old mates from Golden State. And the nightcap, the Lakers will celebrate the 2020 NBA championship uh, with a ring ceremony unlike any other, considering there will be nobody at Staples Center when they take on their fellow tenant at Staples Center, the Los Angeles Clippers. The clip, the Christmas Day slate begins like this. So we have the Pelicans traveling to Miami to take on the Heat. Boy, the Heat as a team that wins the championship now getting the noon slate. Wow. Okay. Um, we got the Bucks going uh, hosting the Warriors uh, in Milwaukee. And then later in the day, Kyrie Irving will travel to Boston 
for the first time since leaving the Celtics when the Nets battled the Seeds at the Boston Garden. Uh, this year's marquee matchup will have LeBron and Luka face off in a match between the Mavericks and the Lakers at Staples. And the nightcap will feature uh, the Clippers traveling to Denver. Uh, this will be a rematch of their epic seven-game series in this year's Western Conference semifinals. So, Kendall, I need two grades for you. I need one, scale of one to ten, what is the opening, slate, opening night slate for the NBA? And a scale of one to ten, what are you giving the Christmas Day slate? Um, that's a uh, so the opening night one, I'll give that a B minus. Um, one to ten, you give me a B minus. Come on, oh, man. That's right. Yeah, I'm not even. Paying <laughs> You're not even listening. Yeah, because I'm looking at the slates, man. All right, so yeah, we're going one to ten. I mean, you know, got to do a little conversion chart here. Um, so you, need the met- you need a metric system for that? Yeah. <laughs> How does that work? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll go six on the on the opening day. Um, six out of ten, uh, which is not good, by the way. You know, some people, I guess, some of you may say, oh, I think, I think it's six out of ten. Um, and then the Christmas Day slate, it, to me, that's a – I'll give that an eight. Uh, so the, the, the opening day, I like the, the Warriors-Nets game. It got hurt by Clay Thompson not being there. So that's, I mean, you know, if the NBA had this planned before the Thompson injury, then that's that's tough luck. It would have been probably closer to an A minus. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Lakers Clippers game. The rivalry to me is not, I don't say it's overrated because there are there are storylines there. But to me, like that was interesting like a month a year ago. But at this point. You know, we've seen those teams match up a million times. They're always on national TV. It's always a big game. I don't really need to see them on opening day to be excited. So, I I don't know. I honestly think that Mavs-Lakers probably would have been a better opening day game. But um, but I get it. And then the, the Christmas Day slate, uh, pretty much, I, I, there, I have really no objections. Um, I'm a little surprised by some of the by some of the picks. I probably would have went Bucks-Heat. But that's the only difference. Maybe you go Pelicans Warriors. That could have been interesting. But they didn't want to put the Pelicans. You know, they didn't want to put the Pelicans in that kind of. They didn't want to put the Warriors next to the Pelicans. It's just it's not good optics. You have one of your premier franchises and one of your not premier franchises. But um, but they still got that. The Pelicans are playing the Heat. Yeah, it's still weird to me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like the Heat probably like hey hey hey. Well, we've been, yeah. a, we've been in a championship more recently than the Warriors, buddy. Yeah. yeah, I guess with the Heat, they're like, all right, but the Heat don't have a star. So, like, but now you got, you know what I mean, you got Steph Now Dream Butler's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. I scored 40 <laughs> against LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> Last man. time he told me. What are you okay. talking about? Look, man. All the disrespect for the Heat today, Kendall. What's going on? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Yeah, Sorry, Heat fans. Such a big fan. <laughs> um, So, opening day slate, I'm going to give this... I'm going to give this a 7, and I'm going to say that it's mostly on the weakness of the the, the Laker game. I'll be honest. I'm actually yes. very intrigued by the Warriors-Nets game. I agree. I mean, you know, if you got Klay Thompson, I mean, that game is just fire. That's a fire way to start the season. Um, Kyrie but there's versus, still so many storylines in that game. Yeah, exactly. But still, I mean, Kyrie versus Curry is always must-see TV. KD still playing against Golden State. Steve Nash, who, you know— uh, you know, he, Steve Kerr is kind of, you know, in a way, kind of like an offshoot of kind of the Steve Nash tree a little bit, considering, you know, Steve Kerr was running the Suns when Steve Nash was uh, playing right. there. Uh, nah. 
I'll shoot it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Kerr was running the was running the. <laughs> oh, uh, well, wow, he matched the tree already. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Sorry, the, the uh, Kerr coaching the Kerr tree exactly with Nash hasn't um been playing uh for the Suns while Steve Kerr was running things and he's been a, an assistant uh, kind of a consultant with the Warriors in recent. Um, year so that, that there's a mix there so a lot of good stuff there man I'm really I'm really Wiseman excited debut. yeah Wiseman's debut it's gonna be you know fortunately no fans but it's gonna be in Brooklyn uh, yeah. I like it I, I love that they went to me like I love that they they didn't care about conferences because to me usually they kind of get stuck in conferences like oh we gotta have two Eastern Conference teams and be honest I'm not trying to see no two Eastern Conference teams <laughs> like I'm just being, yeah. keeping it honest like we NBA fans largely we don't care that much about the East so I'm glad gave me a, a the Nets are almost not like an Eastern Conference team because we've never seen this iteration of them. So yes, that's like new because we barely saw Kyrie last year and we haven't seen KD with this team. And give me the Warriors and I haven't seen Steph Curry play in nine months and he barely played all last season and we got number two pick in the draft. So that's a money game. That's that alone to me. That's like a ten, even without Clay Thompson. I think that's great. The, I agree. The the Lakers Clippers thing, it's a little. Stale, I think is the word I would use. You know, we didn't <laughs> we didn't get we didn't get the, the showdown the battle of LA. We didn't get that showdown last year. I mean, yeah, had whole, we gotten it, it, it may I mean feel better about it. Right. If we got it, it would have been felt different seeing this. But now it's like uh, the, the Clippers are just such in a to me, I think even the way I like think about them as a franchise right now is so weird. Like I can't I almost can't compute like comparing them to the Lakers. Because like that team is no, they're the it franchise unless you're a Celtic fan, um, and they just won a championship and they have you know the greatest player of the generation, one of the greatest players of all time, and the Clippers, one of the worst franchises ever, had all these expectations, had just a complete collapse in the playoffs. It's like I don't like as crazy as it sounds. I don't feel like they're on the Lakers level on any circumstance to me. So I like to me it's like and I, and I, now you can argue well, who's on the Lakers. A plat, you know, plateau right now, a platform right now. Uh, you could argue no one. I mean, they're the champs, so I, I get that. But that that doesn't do it for me. That just felt like a retread of something that never really happened. Like you know, it's kind of like that uh, Regina George uh, Mean Girls meme, where it's like, stop making Lakers Clippers a thing. It's never going to be a thing. That's kind of how I felt about them shoehorning it on opening night. It's like y'all tried this last year, and Clippers didn't live up to what they were supposed to do. Which shocking is how they always operate. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven. Um, mostly because I just I I, I wouldn't I wanted to see something different. I would wanted some I wanted something different with that uh, second game. Um, Christmas Day, I'm gonna give Christmas Day a nine. I think Christmas Day is pretty fantastic. I'm really excited. Uh, I agree. The only thing I would have changed, and I, I, I it's funny. I don't know if you said what you said because you read my text or if you just said that organically. Because I texted you and Henry. Shout out to Henry. That yeah. I would send the Pelicans to Golden State. And no, no, sorry. I would do flip side. I would, I would send the Warriors to New Orleans, and I would send the uh, Bucks to Miami. Yeah. And I would have had, and I would have had the the Pelicans and the Warriors start off the day, and then I would have had uh, Bucks and Heat in in that in that second game because you got the, the rematch of the Eastern Conference semifinals where the Bucks were kind of embarrassed by the Heat. Um, you know, Giannis has a lot to prove this year, and you know. This it feels like this feels like just a huge like year. It goal. is. I mean, it is. And look, I am not a Heat fan. I hate the Miami Heat. I'm a Knicks fan. But I mean, they were the Eastern Conference champions. They're putting them on noon against a team that's proven nothing. Like I think they deserve a little yeah. more than that. 
And they've got the entire team back. Like, I understand, like, last year, I think, weren't the Raptors a noon game against the Celtics? Yeah. As champions, but they lost Kawhi. So it was like, all right. Right, exactly. Like, you know. Um, I actually kind of, I actually kind of like the noon game uh, as a fan. You know, um, like, it, like, like the Celtics, I liked when the Celtics played at noon. I know as a Knicks fan, you probably understand the, the noon game <laughs> pretty well. The, the noon uh, game blues, because... A lot yeah, of L's exactly. in those years. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's probably tough. The Celtics. We actually played you guys on noon one year with Isaiah Thomas, but uh, it's. It, I, I actually like that slot because you get to, uh, you know, you get to kind of enjoy your your presence or whatever, and kind of then you wake up and you watch basketball, and then you uh, then you have the rest of the day to watch basketball, and do whatever you need to do. But um, now I'm going to be like stressing. Also, it feels good because like you know, as a Celtics fan, like they always win. So you don't have to worry about it. But uh, now I have to stress until 5.30 when Kyrie uh, decides last minute, oh, yeah, I got to quarantine because I, I had a close contact with a guy. <laughs> so I, can't go. I knew yeah. you were going there. I tell you, <laughs> when, I, when I read, when I wrote my lead to this story, when I said Kyrie would travel to Boston, I, I was low-key waiting for you to kind of interrupt me and be like, you know, are we sure yeah. he's going to make yeah, that Kyrie, trip? Yeah, Kyrie travel. He's going to miss the flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because I, I know Celtic fans always feel like Kyrie's been dodging the smoke. Hey, look, man, I, we played what three times last year, four, four times. I, I don't know if we got it the fourth game in uh, before the the shutdown, but regardless, and then we played them in, in the bubble as well. And, I mean, he was nowhere to be found each time, you know, with these phantom injuries. So uh, <laughs> I'm not saying Kyrie had any phantom injuries. Kyrie was injured, and therefore he did not make it to uh, any of those games. And I know for Celtics fans, Celtics uh, followers, they think that that's very interesting. Um, it seems very yeah, and look, convenient. Seems convenient some of the times he's decided to sit out games. Kemba's not even going to play that game, so he's going to he's going to be out the first month of the season. So if Kyrie, if, if there's any time he wants to not dodge the smoke, it's going to be this game. And and no fans in Boston. You don't got to worry no about fans that. In Boston. Oh yeah, I know it's going. I mean. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna make this. I think he'll make this. I don't think he lucked out, but like, man, you know, in terms of that situation, he really, uh, you know, he played his hand correctly. Will the, will the will the smoke be waiting for him when fans are eventually back allowed back in arenas? Like, will Boston fans care by the time that happens? That's a that's an easy one. Like, it's not like like the Hayward thing. Like, you remember Gordon Hayward? I don't think he ever played. He didn't play the game that in his return to to Utah, right? Because he broke his leg for game of the Celtic. And so then we finally returned. Like it was kind of like a, it was a little bit of a misreaction, but it was mostly like positive because like glad to see he's healthy. You're not gonna get right. that Kyrie. Like they, the fans will remember. Mm-hmm. This is it was too, way too big of a deal. It could be three years from now and they'll remember. Yeah, Boston fans. I feel like they're the kind of fans that won't forget. I agree. I think that's gonna be a mess. But shout out to the NBA man. I'm happy that we got Luca and LeBron. Uh, prime time baby. You know, unfortunately KP is not gonna be there, so that game is not gonna be. You know, nearly as interesting as it could be, but uh, the, to the me, still win that game. I mean, I mean, we have Luka Doncic. I mean, Hopefully the Mavs beat the Clippers in games without Luka in the playoffs. I mean, with KP in the playoffs. So, yeah. I mean, the, to me, the Mavs without KP, I don't. I mean, they're not as like, dangerous and as dynamic, but they could beat anybody because Luka's that good. So, yeah. and I like. I think that it's smart for the NBA to you know identify Luka as one of their absolute. You know, top stars. You know, if you're like a you know, wrestling fan, you talk about your your main eventers. I mean, you know, Luca's being put in the main event stage, and he deserves it. I mean, the guy is is, is unbelievable. Yeah. He's a great uh, player to watch in terms of just you know his excitement of watching him play, and uh, and I'm excited to see what, what he'll do against the Lakers on prime time. And then the nightcap, I think, is fantastic. Obviously, that series. You know, Clippers playing Denver way more interesting to me than Clippers playing the Lakers. 
because the Lake Clippers have some demons they have to exercise. So that game, I'm actually way more fascinated by than even the game against the Lakers Open Night. So love the Christmas Day slate. I, I will only you know do a few tweaks, but these are these are pretty John much the teams I would have picked. Too. <laughs> what do you say? No, like Chauncey. Oh, homecoming. <laughs> Chauncey Billups. Assistant Clippers, assistant coach of the Clippers, but no, nah, I'm actually really excited about the slate. I think that it's really dope. Um, the only thing I would, I said these are the, these are the eight teams. I think I, I don't think there were any other teams that would have slipped in there. To be honest, uh, to me, the only thing I would have changed was um, just the first two matchups. But it's like picking these all the games I'm excited by. So that so that you know you gotta feel good about that. Um, shout out to Stan Van Gundy. He'll be going back to Miami. And maybe that was a storyline we didn't think about. <laughs> Is it possible that, that was part of why they did that? Um, it is possible, right? No, because like, because I'm like, what are the ties? And I'm like, oh, that's the tie. But I mean, that's a deep pull. That's like in wrestling fans. That's like when wrestling, when like, you know, like in the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago, when they had like a, a, a setup where like Trish Stratus and uh, Mickey James. We're across from each other and the crowd went crazy and like it was like you're kind of hoping that the crowd will remember when you like <laughs> pit those people together to get that pop. I almost feel like the NBA is like, are they ho- thinking that we're gonna remember Stan's time in Miami and does that deserve a pop? I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see what the ratings are and see how the excitement is for the game and how they present it. But uh, happy to have the NBA back, man. I don't know what's gonna happen with this COVID thing though. That scares me and we'll probably talk a lot about COVID the rest of the show. But I'm happy we'll be getting some uh, NBA hoops. Let's uh, quickly talk about some college basketball stuff, Kempton. So um, after weeks of being uh, delayed, uh, the college basketball season is underway, though not without its set of COVID challenges. A number of games have needed to be postponed due to confirmed cases among teams. Excuse me. For the first time, we, uh, we've been seeing teams basically craft their own non-conference schedules on the fly. On the court, the Gonzaga Bulldogs and the Baylor uh, Bears have looked strong as really anyone in the country as the, the number one and two teams, respectively. They'll each face each other in a few days in Indianapolis. Um, we've also seen a, a newly froed out Shaka Smart lead the Texas Longhorns to a thrilling Maui invitational win, except the the palm trees, trees and beaches of Hawaii were replaced by mountains and freezing temperatures in Asheville, North Carolina, which is where the Maui invitational was played this year because of the COVID crisis. Uh, we've also seen Kentucky drop two games. Uh, including one to Richmond at Rupp Arena, uh, along with other upsets that included uh, Virginia dropping one to San Francisco and uh, Villanova losing to Virginia Tech shortly after winning their preseason tournament. So, uh, Kendall, what have been your biggest takeaways from the early college basketball season so far? Uh, my biggest takeaways are that, first of all, this freshman class is really good. Um, we'll have way more to say about that you know, on our YouTube channel. Uh, once the dust has kind of settled a little bit on these initial on the, these initial tournaments, preseason tournaments and stuff, but sure. um, but yeah, this, this freshman class is really good, which is always important to see, uh, especially when you're talking NBA draft and you know for NBA fans. Um, but none of them, besides Jalen Suggs, you're a guy, Gonzaga Bulldog, uh, Minnesota Mister Football and Basketball, uh, heard that quite a few times in the five Gonzaga games, three Gonzaga games, however many times it's been. Uh, <laughs> didn't know that. But but no, I mean, uh, Suggs uh, is obviously really good, but a lot of those guys haven't didn't go to any difference-making teams. Um, Jalen Johnson's really good at Duke, but Duke is t- 
talented, but they're they're a mold of they're a huge mold of clay. They're they're similar to how Memphis was last year, where there's not much there's not much high end talent. Johnson's like the pressure that you of last year's Memphis team, where it's like there's a lot of talent, but it's it's not really none of it really makes any sense. Um, so honestly, I think this year is going to be won by vets. I think there are some really good teams. Uh, I think. I think Gonzaga's really good, obviously. I think Baylor's really good, and they will be playing each other this weekend. Um, but then I also I also think Iowa could have a chance to be really good. I mean, Luca Garza should be in the NBA right now, probably, but he decided to stay, and the numbers he's putting up are, are astronomical. I mean, he has, he had like, what do you have, 36 points in the first half of their last game? Yeah, he's uh, killing people right now. Yeah, this game that he's playing today, he had he has 30 at halftime. I mean, <laughs> just crazy stuff. He had 30 and 9 in 15 minutes. I mean, so, I mean, I, I don't want to – we'll see what happens when they play. I think they play North Carolina in the ACC Big Ten Challenge next week. So, that'll be his first real test. But North Carolina is an excellent front court. But I don't know if they're doing anything. Yes, they do. So, yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they have a, they have a great front court. I don't know if they want to smoke with Luca. Yeah, exactly. You know, so – <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, my my biggest takeaway is that the, the these teams have been won by are going this this the season is going to be won by vets, um, and then also obviously the the COVID stuff can't be ignored. It's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see how these schools kind of kind of keep up with it. In, in football, I think they've done a decent job um, of just making sure you know don't play if you, if a team has issues. Um, most teams have done that. Uh, so, and we haven't seen too much spread team to team. So from college football, so that they deserve some credit for that. But um, so hopefully basketball stays the same. Um, and so far, there's been some stuff where you're, you kind of look and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the right move. I don't know if it's the right decision. But you know, uh, overall, I think the season it's just been extremely fun as a fan. Uh, more locked in this season than I was last year. Uh, they Same. Part because you didn't have it for so long, and you're like, "Wow, playing yeah. college basketball! Who would have thought?" You don't, you don't, you don't miss something until you realize you don't have it. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I couldn't get enough of these games. I had, you know, I was fortunate enough to have uh, some time off this past week, so I was really able to lock in. And I agree, it's great to have college basketball back. You know, the circumstances aren't great. Be honest, they, they really shouldn't be playing under these circumstances, in my opinion. Um, but it is where we are. So now it's got to, you know, really not much I can say more about that other than just to judge what we're, we are seeing. And I agree. I think we're seeing some good ball. And I think your takeaway is smart. I think that this will be the revenge of the upperclassmen this season. And now you could argue maybe the last few seasons have been that way, given the people that won national championships. But uh, this is, this, to me, you're not going to have a team full of freshmen win a national championship. I mean, we got to watch Duke and Kentucky a couple of days ago. Uh, those teams just don't look ready. Duke looked okay, but I mean, Kentucky looks like they're miles away from being a team that can win another championship. And uh, when you yeah, see no, just how loaded Gonzaga and Baylor are, there's no chance to me those teams would have against, uh, you know, obviously it's a one-game tournament, so anything can happen. But odds that those teams win six games in a row and not, a team like Gonzaga or Baylor, or even with Illinois, who even though they lost, I still think that they're going to be a, a team to be reckoned with. Um, I, I I think Villanova's going to be reckoned with, even though they lost. Yeah. Don't look out for Houston. Um, Houston, I think, looks really good. 
And Kendall, man, these damn Texas Longhorns. I, I this was a team that intrigued Shot me to start smart, the season. He's, he may he, he look. He's he's been coaching on the hot seat. He grew out the fro. This was a team that intrigued me before the season because <laughs> of the talent. Smart is is Larry Brown. <laughs> yeah, you got, Afro, you got you know yeah hoodie mellow Afro Shaka Smart headband roll. Afro Kyrie stinks, but, but <laughs> along but, with heavy band Kyrie, um, yeah, no, nah, like, like you know, he, of all the people who have these nicknames, he's the one who's living up most to the nickname. <laughs> Afro <laughs> Afro Shaka Smart is is that dude because yo, I, this Texas team is really interesting. You know, I got to watch a lot of that Maui Invitational. I watched uh, a lot of their, I watched almost all their Davidson game, and I watched a lot of the North Carolina game. They got a nice balance. Um, I really like their bigs. Kai Jones, I think he's going to be a, a player that NBA teams are going to be having to pay attention to. Um, and I like Jericho Sims. I think Jericho Sims has gotten a lot better. And their guards, you know, Matt Coleman, you know, the senior. You know, I feel like he's been playing college basketball for eight years now. But, yep. you know, he had the game winner in, in, in the Maui. And he just seems to always – he always seems to be playing hard, under control, and never afraid. Like and that's honestly just like the just the um the epitome of you know great college playing guard great college guard Matt Coleman gives them that they got Andrew Jones uh, they got Ramey they this yeah. team Greg is Brown. going this, Greg, hey, I didn't even mention Greg Brown the number one <laughs> NBA guy of all the guys on the roster uh, absolute freak athlete and that's kind of why I really like this Texas team because. Well, you got Brown, Sims, and, and Kai Jones. I mean, that's some serious athleticism in the front court. They got the guard play. Maybe their question is, you know, will they shoot the three ball good enough? And maybe that's a legitimate question to ask once we get, you know, into conference play, things like that. But um, Texas, man, any they, they, they impressed me. wins the Big 12 this year? No. There's, there's, <laughs> I, there's, to me, there's no way they're better than um, Baylor. Like, that's just no way. Right. And... I don't, th- I don't think they're better than Texas. I- I've watched Kansas they might, and they Texas. They might not be better than Texas. They might not be a top three team no. in the, the conference. Wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, Kansas, so- yeah, Kansas. Well, Kansas right now, to me, they're missing. Uh, you know, we talked about it during the Gonzaga game through Texas. You know, they're missing the patented, you know, front court player. And, and, and look, Jason Jalen Wilson had a really good game um, uh, against UK. He really yeah. was the, they, he was the only guy that played well on either team. It was a really bizarre game. Um, yeah. Kansas shot twenty nine percent and won. So, so, so you know, may, maybe Jalen Wilson becomes that guy. But again, he's not really a big man. You know, Kansas. You know, when they've been Christian great, Braun, Christian Braun had a big game. I think in St. Joe's, he had like thirty. Um, but he didn't do anything against Gonzaga and didn't do much against UK either. No, no. And and I think that's that's to me, that's the problem with Kansas. Like, I, I wouldn't write off Kansas in the NCAA tournament. Because they have some talent, like they yeah, have they're well coached. You know? Yeah, like 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 Abaji. To me, he's the kind of player. You know, he's got to just bring it every night. He has the tools to be, you know, good. But I just don't. Sometimes I think that he doesn't play with the, the aggressiveness needed. Uh, Garrett's an excellent defender. I think he's improved his offensive game. But this is just a very low ceiling team to me. You know, for regular season, I can't see them winning a conference championship. When you get to the tournament, anything's possible. If they get hot, they get the right matchups. Could they surprise people? Sure. But winning the conference, I don't think there's any chance. Because to me, again, when Kansas is good, it's the front court play. 
and they don't have it. They just don't have it this year. They got decent guards, and they got decent wing players, but is it enough to overcome a team like Baylor and Texas, barring injuries? You know, not barring injuries? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, that's... So, ra- rapid fire. Let, mm-hmm. Let's go through each uh, each conference. Who do you think is going to win? ACC. Hold up. Let me let me make sure I have all my teams here. So, ACC. Um, I'm going to go Carolina. Go Carolina. I'll, I'll stick UVA. I know they lost that game against uh, Towson. Was it what? No, UC, uh, no it was Virginia Tech. Yeah, they blew out Towson. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, San Fran, and that was, was not a great loss. But and but Virginia is one of those teams. They're just they're not gonna. I mean, they have the blowout teams like they blew out Towson in that first game. But um, but like they're yeah, not. They, they might teams. not. They might not run away from you in games. Yeah, they even might when, not run away from you. If that happens. Yeah. You can get clipped by anybody. You right. clipped. <laughs> I mean, it just happens. So yeah, I mean, they could lose to to, to anybody, but I, they can also because of that that style of play, they can beat anybody. And I think consistently they'll probably beat teams in the ACC. So yeah, I'll go UVA. Right, what's the um, next conference? Big, Big Ten. Big Ten. Whew, this is the best conference in college basketball. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Illinois. Illinois. Uh, I like Illinois. was not super impressed by what I saw in that game against Baylor. Um, I think Baylor makes everybody look terrible. Yeah, I mean, they I made, really like watching them play. I really think I yeah. like I watched this game. I was like, I don't think I think Illinois is good, but man, this team is crazy. This Baylor I saw Baylor versus Washington. They made Washington look like like a, a JUCO team. Like it was yeah. really bad. Yeah, like they were just you know, pressing and running, yeah. running. <laughs> yeah, Baylor, running Baylor is going to embarrass a lot of people this year. Yeah, and Illinois was in that game for thirty minutes. This is the last ten that fell apart. But then I also Illinois. I mean, they should have gotten clipped by Ohio. Ohio had a point guard. This kid, Jason Preston. Well, shout that, out Jason Preston. One of the best stories I've ever heard as a basketball. Yeah, I know, right? Have you? I mean, do you remember yeah. you like like he was like he like quit basketball or something like that? Something crazy. Yeah, he was he was like 140 pounds coming out of high school and like like sent out his. He, he like he, he the, the team that Ohio like did, never watched him play. They just saw like a highlight film. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he got yeah, he put out his own like YouTube like <laughs> yeah, his huddle clip, his huddle tape. I mean, like he'll give him a scholarship. I mean, shout out, yeah, shout out to him because he, he's gonna like, get NBA looks now. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of people think he might be an NBA guy. It's crazy. Um, I'll, I'll be, he'll, to somebody to follow this year, but yeah, they didn't look great in that game. I'll go, I'll go Iowa. I mean, Luca, Luca Garza, I think is the best player in the country. So. Um, that's not really a bold prediction. I mean, he's probably the best player in the country last year along with Topping. So, I mean, now that Topping's gone, <laughs> he's the guy left. So, yeah, I, I would say Iowa. Um, They're not going to win but, the conference, but don't sleep on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yeah, yeah, I kind of thought you I was like, Rutgers? <laughs> I was going to be joking, but. Yeah, yeah, don't sleep yeah. on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Those, those guys, those, those boys, they, yeah. they, they, they got something over there. And you bring in Big Cliff. Uh, it's, it was a shame they didn't get to play uh, in the tournament last year. But Ron Harper Jr. He looks um, better this year than he was last he year. Looks, he looks really good. He looks really good. And the rack, we'll see what the rack is with no fans. But typically, it's a tough play. Do you have a, so do you have, a, do you have a, real quick, do you have a sleeper as well? A sleeper team in the Big Ten? 
or the AC, or you just said Rutgers, but the uh, oh, the well, ACC. yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Rutgers are sleeper to most people, but I mean, they're sleeper to me that like, really do really well. Um, in the <laughs> ACC, a team they say, uh, you know, we're not talking about them, but let's not. Uh... I feel like the ACC is kind of like straightforward. Yeah, it's maybe not, maybe, it's maybe, maybe Louisville. Yeah. No, Louisville's getting just like no love. I mean, I know they lost a lot of people. But um I, I, I wouldn't this, this, this will kinda this will kinda like a Chris Mack team that you like this is the kind of team he wins twenty three games with. <laughs> like teams are unheralded, nobody knows who these guys are. Like I I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on I was excited about BC after that loss to Villanova, but they kinda they disappointed me that St. John's win. Yeah. Or St. John's Law, I should say. Uh, I'll go Clemson. Clemson look, is looked pretty decent early yeah, on. I agree with that, too. They had a game against Mississippi State. That was good. Uh, Big 12. Big 12. Uh, Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, they're, 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 they're a juggernaut. And this is also a good conference, by the way. We, I mentioned Texas. Another great team in that conference is, uh, and you mentioned Texas Tech, West Virginia. Um, Virginia's tough. They, they have some monsters in that front line. Yeah. I mean that Monsters. win they had against Western West Kentucky is really good, you know. Yes, they like, are. Yeah. I mean Charles Bassey, he just dunked on he dunked on some kid from Louisville a couple of days ago in a way that was disrespectful. I mean dominated <laughs> Memphis. Um, I think they lost both those games, but right. That's a that's a that's a that's a good team. So I mean the way that they beat West Kentucky was impressive. Um, question about they, West Virginia, to, back, honestly. But yeah, the they, question about West Virginia to me is. Miles McBride, who's their best perimeter offensive scorer, is he the kind of guy that when all the chips are down, he can get me a shot? I don't know. I think the jury's still out. I think that's why it's yeah. hard for me to pick them to win the conference. But their defense is so good. Their front line is so imposing. Is Oklahoma State any good? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kate Cunningham. No. I watched them. No. then That's not a good team. Uh, and it's, look, it's early, so could teams get better? Of course. Um, they they give me LSU vibes. They give me they LSU give me, with Ben yeah, Simmons. I, yeah, I get LSU vibes with them as well. Yeah. They have a lot of guys that look like they kind of want to make the league, so they kind of they don't really play with like any real head. You they kind of remind me of like Murray State with John Morant. No, that's <laughs> like, <even> I, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like that's not good. Yeah, like that like, team was that team was fun. They just like I mean, they right? But that win. team's not winning the Big Twelve. Yeah, he's not winning the Big Twelve. Like right, could win the Ohio Valley, you know, in a tight race. But the same thing, like they got other guards who can play. They're athletic. Like you know, it's kind of similar. Yeah, but like, no, I don't. I, they don't got no yeah, size. Chris Cunningham, his he's he's not the the dynamic player that Morant is. He might be better than Morant, but not. It's in a different way. He's not the force of nature that just yeah, yeah it's different. He's not going to take over games like Morant could, you know. Because he's not as I mean, younger than Morant was. Morant was a sophomore and more mature of a player. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, it's unfortunate, but uh, Big East, Big East, uh, Villanova's going to win the Big East. I know Cray- Creighton's really good too, but I'm not tripping over that one loss. Um, Villanova, man, it's close. Creighton plays Kansas this week. That that means it's a huge game. Um, yeah, Creighton needs to win that to show me that they're serious. Because I know I know what Villanova is going to be when the chips are down. And uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he's looking really solid this year. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Kyle Gillespie, you know, another one of those Villanova guards who feel like he's been there forever. He's been solid. They, they, just, they just play the right way. I, I can't see them losing this conference. Yeah, once they, Brian Antoine, who was their star freshman last year, who didn't play because of a shoulder injury, supposed to play this season, and then they re-injured his shoulder. So once he, I mean, if and when he gets healthy, that makes them, that gives them another dimension that will make them tough to beat. Uh, Xavier, I wouldn't count them out. They've had some close calls, but overall, mm-hmm. I still think they have some real talent on that team. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's Phil Miller's conference. Um, Pac-12. Oh, do you have a sleeper team? Oh, in the in the in the Big East. Yeah. Uh, probably probably Xavier. Xavier. Yeah, Xavier. I mean, the rest of the, the rest of this conference. I mean, Marquette lost a lot. You know, which is, they lost Marcus Howard, which is a lot. Yeah, Seton, Seton Hall lost a lot as well. Yeah, Seton Hall. I'm not really. I mean, you know, actually, I think Georgetown could be really good. <laughs> they lost the Navy. I, I know that can't be serious. <laughs> oh man, I still can't uh, believe they got. They're not letting them play in the Verizon Center. That's tough, man. I, I'm gonna give St. John some love. I know they they did lose to BYU, who did terrible against USC the other day. So that was kind of disappointing, yeah. but. I mean, I really thought this could be a disastrous year for St. John's. And these freshmen that they got, they play with some heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sam Penny looks like he may actually end up being a real scorer for them. Shout out to, you know, Brooklyn, Bishop Lachlan High School. Uh, Posh Alexander is a great athlete. Um, and yeah. to me, their style of play is going to make people uncomfortable. So their style of play is going to give them a chance. So I, I, they might surprise people this year. Uh, so what did you say? What was the next conference? Uh, Pac-12. The Pac-12. Put me on the spot here with these teams because I, I didn't know we were doing this. Uh, I'll go SC. I'll go, surprise, I'll go surprise team here. They have looked fairly they, 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 I mean, they, they lost a close game to UConn. They crushed BYU. And I didn't expect that because BYU, I think, is going to be pretty good. Yeah. And they got, they got uh, uh, you know, Evan Mobley. He's looking really good. Yeah. Yeah, both the Mobley brothers. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, that front court has to be better than the Okongu Mobley front yeah. court because Okongu and Mobley didn't have the chemistry that obviously Mobley and Mobley will have. Right, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> so and, and then Isaiah Mobley's a year older now. So, yeah, I mean, USC definitely will be good. I think Arizona State is the best team in that conference. I mean, Josh Christopher, uh, once he gets it going – which he got it going a little bit against uh, Villanova. Uh, what do he have? Twenty eight in that game. Um, he had going the next Marvin game Bagley's brother. What do you say? He had going the next game too. I forgot who they played after that. Yeah. He he's had a good um, season. Yeah, Marcus Marcus Bagley is more further on than I would have expected. He looks like he might be a one and done kind of guy. Yeah. And then Remy Martin. I mean, I think that 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 team is the most talented team in the conference. Whether or not. Hurley could put it together uh, remains to be seen, but they're, they're the team I would look at. Uh, and uh, honestly, I don't think there's a sleeper team in this conference. I think this conference is pretty featured. But um, agreed. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I agree. Stanford, I don't, I don't, but, yeah, I, I, Stanford would be the team. Yeah, if Zaire Williams, can, you know, can be more and they and they compete. But, they competed against Carolina. Yeah, they probably should. I mean, the yeah. refs really screwed. They, that had, they had some really tough calls in that game. Yeah, I mean, Williams was playing well. And then 
TV Teddy Valentine tees him up. <laughs> one of the worst, most egregious tees I've ever seen in my watching of college basketball, my history of watching college basketball. And then after that, you know, Williams is kind of taken out of the game. And the rest are just picking on him at that point, giving him ticky-tack calls. And now he's got four fouls, and then that's the end of the game. So, yeah, it was, it was a tough loss. They probably should do it in the championship game. But um, And then after and, that, the next game, they were out of it. And I'll um, say this as well. I, you know, we're, we both sound very down on UCLA, given that just egregious opening game, yeah. open season loss to San Diego State. Yeah, but... I, mean, I was a like, big butt. I mean, they were the t- they were the Darwin team last year, and they brought everybody back. So I don't yeah. want to completely write them off. I think that they'll the they'll be. Remember, they didn't they get embarrassed by like Kelsey Fuller. Oh yeah, they they had some they had some just like grotesque losses last year. Yeah, and then yeah. the conference play hit, and they were the best team in the conference. Right, exactly. This, that that this conference is so there's so much parity that. You, you, I, you, I don't want to say you throw out conference play, but like once these teams start playing each other, it really becomes just like anybody's game. So um, I think UCLA will, will will figure it out. I think I, I you know I believe in Cronin as a coach, not necessarily in state tournament, but I, you know the regular season I always believe in him. So I think they'll and figure it out. SEC. Oh Jesus, another another you know, as President Trump would say, another beauty of a conference. <laughs> yeah, um, I know, right. Yeah, uh, is Tennessee going to get on the court? <laughs> they could get on the court. I'll say them. <laughs> yeah, are they going to play? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah it's tough. I, I'm not even going to. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say. I guess they are the favorites. I would say. Yeah. Um. And LSU is the team that I think will end up being the best. Um, okay. UK is bad. Uh, they'll probably still. They're not going to be awful. Like they'll make the tournament, but this is probably Kyle Perry's worst team outside of the Goodwin team. And that, wow, I don't know if that's those are strong words or not, but those are strong words. That team didn't make the tournament. Yeah, that was a, that was yeah. an awful team. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, let's let's keep it a hundred. <laughs> that team was awful. Yeah, for for Kentucky standards, yeah, it was, it was a really bad. Team. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah, Memphis fan. I'm like, eh, look, I mean, first season the NIT. <laughs> I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> Donna Free- right? Uh No, but yeah, I mean. This team, this team this year, man. I mean, the guard play inept. They need to make Terrence Clark whatever Tyreek Evans was for that Memphis team in 08, 09, whatever you want to call it. Because he needs the ball in his hands. He, I mean, he I can't shoot. So having him playing off the ball makes no sense. And they don't have a point guard. And no no disrespect to Devin Askew, but they don't really have a point guard. So they, they need to put the ball in Terrence Clark's hands and say, look, you know, I know you're not much of a distributor but just just get us buckets get to the basket and we'll play off of you but whatever they have where they have going now it's just it's it's too messy boston's too raw to be you know relying on him for for production so and the bigs are uh, they're just not very tough i don't know it's it's a it's a bad mix kyle perry he screwed himself he didn't really recruit the right guys not to say that clark in Boston are, are were bad guys to recruit because they're, they're any team would want them, but you needed he needed one more guy, and not getting Green, not getting Cunningham, not getting Josh Christopher, like that was that was tough. Shout out to the Alabama Crimson Tide; they will be my sleeper team for this conference. Shout out Javon Quinterly, hashtag Jelly Jelly, jelly Fam. It looks it's got to be now. He's he's back after being ineligible last year. How's Isaiah um, Washington? Looking at 
Long Beach. I'm, uh, is he is he eligible? I'll just I'm, I'm gonna Google that. They they uh, they letting everybody be eligible. Like, yeah, I mean, I assume he's eligible. Yeah, yeah, Nimhar got eligible, and that just nobody thought that was gonna happen. But once yeah. they gave everybody extra eligibility, they were like, whatever, man. Like, how can you deny them? Because some guys get next year. So look, I mean, with regard, are they Washington? You know, he just wants to play close to home. <laughs> uh, in the LBC with Snoop, yeah, that's that's close home. Uh, are those the main conferences? Those uh, yes. them, right? Yeah. I mean, the American, I don't really consider the American right now a uh, power conference. Yeah, but yeah, I don't have any American commentary. <laughs> I don't have anything on the American. I gave you, uh, I gave you uh, full conferences on the fly <laughs> for those other I main ones. I don't, ha- I don't have American on the fly. I almost say that. I, but I did say Houston Houston is good, though. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, you know, duh. But I'm just saying, like, you know, Houston, I think And, you know, the, the, the big going into season was, all right, we know Houston's good. You know, it, can Memphis challenge them and I, I don't i don't know if they can so they don't look like it so far we we, we, were, we were we were really struggling to challenge charles bassey in western kentucky so um the one thing about Houston, i want to see I, I i do want to see you know you know quinn grimes went there uh played yeah. pretty well last year they asked him to do more this year he needs to be able to shoot the ball um at a, yeah. at a higher clip and that that's the difference that's going to be the make or break for him yeah. in terms of and i think he's a NBA he's a really He's really a sleeper NBA guy to me. Yeah, you know, exactly. But I think it all relies on the jump shot. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, I mean, coming out of high school, I thought like, oh, this guy Quentin Grimes, I mean, easy top ten pick. I mean, I would love a guy like Quentin Grimes. And but like you say, he couldn't shoot, and really that 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 hurts your upside. And but he has all the, the skills and the athleticism. He just he just can't shoot. And he got a little better last year, and now we'll see if it takes the next step. Now he, he hasn't shot the ball. Well, he hasn't shot the ball well to start the season, but you know it's only three games, so you're not gonna yeah. Out. But yeah, no, this college basketball scene is, is going to be very exciting. It is, and I'm happy we got college basketball back. Albeit, obviously, under difficult circumstances. All right, let's talk about football. The rest of the show, Kendall. So we're in a stretch run of the NFL season. We have an undefeated team in the 11 and 0 Pittsburgh Steelers, who beat a. Uh, Whatever that was, Baltimore Ravens in a close game uh, this past uh, Wednesday. We have sub-500 division leaders in the NFC East, an enigmatic Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that no one can seem to figure out, and a seemingly growing COVID-19 problem that appears to be affecting just about every facet of the league. So, Kendall, what storyline are you most look, looking forward to seeing play out as we limp to the finish line of this unprecedented season? Um... First of all, what did what did you make of what did you make of the of the COVID situation with the Broncos and the Ravens? Uh, the Broncos was certainly <laughs> interesting, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean the Broncos. I mean, look, I I feel the way I feel about this is I think I'm sorry. I think it's starting to catch on. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on the pod because we haven't done it in a while, but I feel like if you can't field enough players. Like you should forfeit. Like I think to me that that's to me very simple. Right. If you have an outbreak, like to me, like if you if you do, if you're not gonna put a quarterback on the field, you should forfeit. In my opinion, right. either you can play the game and be quiet, or you can forfeit. But we're not pushing you back. Right. So yeah, like, I was in that quarterback. Put him at quarterback, and right. hopefully you're competitive. But you know you're not gonna be. So, so if you don't yeah. want to take on the unnecessary hits, then you should probably forfeit. So I was totally fine with. Um, the Broncos 
game was terrible, but I was fine. Like, if they didn't work and take the forfeit, then they got to play with no quarterback. You're not pushing them at the game. Uh, I don't like how the NFL is applying kind of like different rules for different, you know, teams. Now, I know it was apples and oranges. I'm not going to say that they were one and one because I know, you know, the Broncos right. was like isolated and the Ravens, you had an outbreak. But to me, if you have an outbreak, you forfeit the game. Like, I really feel like, uh, like, and they're not going to do that because they, they want the money. They need the TV money. They're not going to just forfeit games. But to me, like, you, like, responsibly taking charge of this COVID protocol, these COVID protocols and keeping your team as safe as possible is part, to me, it's part of operating as a team. It's like you getting on the flight in time for the game. So you are able to do that, and therefore you're missing, you know, dozens, dozens of guys or whatever. Like, to me, like, if you can't play safely because we don't know who has COVID on your team, you should just forfeit. Like, to me, that's simple. That'll never happen because of the reasons I mentioned. But that, to me, is what should be happening. Because if that happened, maybe teams would take this stuff more seriously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, there's not not much more the league can do. I mean, look, let's, let's be honest. There's plenty the league can do. <laughs> it's just not much more they, that they will do. Um for for a variety for a variety of reasons, and, and Goodell is confirming that, saying that you know a bubble for the playoffs is out of the question, which is just, yeah, it doesn't interest me. Yeah, it's just fantasy. It doesn't like. interest me. It's not interesting. No. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Yeah, I, don't, I don't get it. Um, but like even Major League Baseball, as stubborn as Rob Manfred is, was like, yeah, we can at least give it a playoff bubble. <laughs> I mean, we can at least do that. Uh, and the NFL is like, we'll we'll be we'll match you. We'll raise we'll raise you that, and we'll give you no bubble at all. For even the postseason, so it's tough. It's tough, man. I think the it, 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 do do is there has there been some selective, you know, application of the rules in terms of you know being able to push games back or not? You could argue the Broncos game probably should have been pushed back, and if it were, if that was the Chiefs versus the Ravens, and Patrick Mahomes was out, and the, the Chiefs didn't have any quarterbacks. I don't know if they're putting the Chiefs out there with no quarterbacks, um, but uh, it's it's really hard to, you know, it's hard to because it, it, like you said, that probably that game should have been a forfeit, so it's hard it's hard for me to be upset. Um, and you know, Kareem Jackson from the Broncos basically said, "Look, you know, we could do all the complaining we want, but you know, those guys got to wear masks. You know, we didn't apply the the proper protocols." Um, so uh, that's yeah, overall, man, that's a man's man answer, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you going up to it. Um, it's 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 it, you know this is the this is the world we live in, but and it's 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 not surprising that it came from that team, but it is what it is. Um, you know that that's a that's a younger team, you know that's out of it, and that's what's worrying me that you're gonna have these teams that now that the season is basically over for them. So are they gonna apply the same the same uh, exactly? Yeah, the same same measures that they applied earlier in the season. Um, but no, overall, in terms of the actual on-the-field stuff, I mean, to me, I think the biggest storylines, I mean, the storylines in every division, but I think, you know, the NFC East thing is very fascinating because I think we, we're probably getting, I said, you know, we probably, I didn't think there would be a team that could get to seven wins, and it still kind of feels that way. Um, and... It's, it, while while in reality it's probably the least fascinating thing, 
it's still fascinating in that regard as well. Um, and I, when I look at the 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 AFC, I, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I know people like to joke they're the worst eleven and O team, you know, of all yeah. time or whatever. I don't know. I haven't. I got to go through the list of eleven and O teams, uh, see if I can find a team that's similar. But it's to me, it's they're not they're not great. You know, I'm gonna be honest. They're not great, and they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. I mean, the Bud Dupree injury is tough. Yeah, that's a uh, Yeah, losing him with an ACL, they already lost Devin Bush. I mean, that defense is vaunt is vaunted, but they, you know, the NFL, you can only have you only have so much talent on every team. There's a lot of parity. And if you lose your two of your top three or four players on defense, you know, that doesn't help the situation. So, um, especially when you're facing, you're gonna have to face Kansas City. With all the weapons they have, you know, I mean, I, they're not my favorites to come out of the AFC. I'll put it that way. So I'm assuming your favorite then would be the defending the, the, champs. Yeah, it's got to be Kansas City. Um, it's got to be Kansas City. You know, obviously, they've had these moments this season where they kind of looked a little sleepy, looked a little out of it, um, kind of got hit in the mouth. But for the most part. When they needed to be, they've been dominant. Uh, and it's different guys every week for this team. One week, it's, it's it's like we saw this weekend with Tyreek Hill. Another week, it'll be Kelsey that, that has a big game. Another week, it'll be Edwards Alaire who has a big game. He hasn't had as many big games in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, early in the season, he was a lot, he was a, a lot of their offense. You know, you add in Le'Veon Bell. Um, some weeks, it'll be Cole Hardman. I mean, it, they can really hit you in so many different ways uh, offensively. So, um and Mahomes just does stuff, man. Where you're like, wow. I mean, it's it like it, 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 he's getting to that point with like Steph Curry, when Steph yeah. Curry won like, second title, where you're like, you, you're done being amazed because it's just yeah. like, but it, but you don't want you don't want to be like you want to like realize that put it in perspective some of the stuff he does in terms of like the the, the playmaking ability is just so incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's true. You know, I, I used it. <laughs> Ironically, they use the term for Eli Manning, but this guy has way more talent than Eli Manning. I mean, he's a football savant. I mean, he's just, I don't yeah. know if I've seen a guy like this. Did you see Tyreek Hill? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what he was. I don't know what. I, I, I guess it was a press conference or he's on TV or something. And he's being interviewed. And he uh, he was like, yeah, you know, when we first saw Mahomes his rookie year, you know, I'll be honest. I thought the guy was kind of trash. Yeah, he, he was whack. <laughs> but I didn't think he could play. So, I mean, it, it's fascinating how that worked out. But. Yeah, shout out to Eric uh, Bieniemy and Andy Reid for their uh, development of this monster. They got a QB. Is he's just he's incredible. I agree. I mean, the Chiefs. You know, could they get clipped? I mean, to me, that's the that's the Steelers are that team. You know, I, I don't see anyone else seeing them in a, in a playoff series in a playoff game. I know, you know, Tennessee has that kind of rough and tumble. You know, run it. You know, you know, pound you with you know Derrick Henry kind of strategy and 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 uh and you know disposition but i don't i just don't think that as we saw in the postseason last year that they just have the horses to to run with kc i just think to be kc you, you gotta score 30 like to me if you don't score 30 you're not winning and i gotta believe you're gonna go 30 against kansas City defense on a consistent basis uh and movable consistently for me to think that you're gonna beat them the only team i think that can do that is pittsburgh on a good day uh, and I think I, I think Pittsburgh is being underrated. I, I'm not saying underrated, but like I think the whole runaway like this team is worst 11 and 0 team. 
I mean, their point differential, I mean, they're killing everybody. I mean, their, their point differential is almost is the best in the league. It's 129. Uh, I know they have had some injuries, but when you look at even take away their, their great defense, and, and we understand their injuries on that side of the ball, but, I mean, their offense is really balanced. It's really solid. Um, they can throw the ball to multiple receivers. Eric Ebron's having a really uh, good year at tight end. Yes. You know, it's a one-game situation, and it appears that there's a good chance that they may be that game may be in Pittsburgh. I know there's no fans, but that you know the comfortability of being in your home crib does help. Could they beat Kansas City in a one-game situation? Absolutely. I think they could. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't say that they're the favorites, but uh, I think that they're going to be a team that definitely could could beat them. I think the team that to me is most fascinating in the AFC, not necessarily to win a championship, but just to see how the season has gone down, is the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, it sickens me as a Jet fan, but I just, just no way I would have anticipated this is the kind of season we'd be seeing. Yeah, I've watched Dolphins every team. Dolphins game this this season, uh, front and back. It's mm-hmm. they are a uh, they're the closest thing I've ever seen to that I know you'll know this team, that that Jet team. With Mark Sanchez, um, mm-hmm. especially the two is out there, yeah. um, and they play vastly different when Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback compared to when. So Tua's you the- you watch a lot of film on the Dolphins. Can you just quickly like explain what is that difference that you see when you watch two in there compared so, to Fitz? When when they've got two, you know, so obviously early in the season, they they they've made some moves uh, at the receiver position. They've really they. They've really lost a lot of guys. Like they've, they're, they're like they got rid of Isaiah Ford. They traded him to New England. Um, the a receiver who, you know, so they've they they've they don't have as many weapons as they did really early in the season. And when when Fitzpatrick's out there, they they play with they they spread the ball out more. Um, they throw the ball more. Um, they have more receivers out there. When when Tua when Tua is the quarterback, it's a much more basic offense. It's much more, you know, hand the ball off, whoever the running back is, whether it's Miles Gaskin or um, Salvin Ahmed or whoever's, whoever's back there. Um, and it's a lot of two tight ends, a lot of rollouts, you know, your typical old school pro style offense. When Ryan Fitzpatrick's out there, a lot, they spread the ball out. They play down the field more, um, you know, a lot of quick passes. They do things that are a little more modern, which seems backwards, but they do it to simplify the game for Tua. You know, because I don't think Tua right now, he's not a better quarterback than Fitzpatrick. No, and I think I, agree. No, I think Flores knows that. I mean, he said he said when they took out Tua, I know he had the injury, but he said no, we took him out because we thought Fitzpatrick gave us the best chance to win. And right. they were being, being honest in that game. I mean, Tua, and some of it was they protected him because in that Denver game he got sacked like three, four times, and I think at some point they were like, "All right, we gotta make sure this guy doesn't get hurt." Um, but you know, I think Fitzpatrick gives them the best chance to win. It's a fascinating, it's a fascinating dilemma because, you know, I know, I mean, like even Kurt Warner said on NFL Network that, you know, he was in a similar position with when he was with the Jets. I mean, when he was with the Giants. And yeah. he was like, he said straight up, he was like, I was a better quarterback than Eli. Everyone knew it, but it was better for the franchise to play Eli. And he thinks that it's better for the Dolphins to play Tua. And it probably makes sense to play Tua, but Ryan Fitzpatrick's a better player. So it's, and this is a team that can win. That's what's so fascinating because their defense is electric. Yeah. They've got all three levels, 
studs. Studs at two studs at corner with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. The front line. I mean, Christian Dawkins, Raquan Davis. I mean, not Christian Dawkins. Christian. Yeah, Christian. Christian Wilkins. Yeah. Hey, Chris Wilkins. Uh, Raquan Davis. Shaq Lawson. I mean, Emmanuel Agba. He's been excellent this season. Uh, Kyle Van Noy. I mean, that team is is very deep on defense. And which is why the comparisons to that Jets team, they don't have the star power that that Jets team had, or the, both of those AFC Championship games. Um, but they have a similar makeup and a similar dangerous quality about them, which is why I think they could be dangerous. I wouldn't yeah, want to see them. I agree. I, to me, their defense, I know you feel like offensively is okay, but they're not going to run away from you. It's like, yeah, but they may drag you to their level. Because yeah. their defense is that good. Their defense can make you look yeah. stupid. And. You get on those 13, 10 games. I mean, at that point, anything could happen, you know? I, yeah, I know you, 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 you texted us when, when Patricia got uh, canned that, oh, another another Belichick guy, you know. Bites the dust. <laughs> you know, yeah. Bites the dust. Um, does, Flores seems to be the one guy that may buck the trend. One of the yeah, I know. No. But he, because he can coach football. Yeah, uh, he's done an incredible job. He did a great job last year. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You know, seeing that's what's going sixteen. He they won five games, you know, and and they thought they messed out on their chance to draft a player like Tua Tagovailoa because of the wins they had, you know. And so that, that's kind of why, like, you look at you know this Jets situation, them being zero and eleven. You say, oh, but they don't got no talent. It's like, yeah, but I watched a guy with a team that tanked and won five games. So and now this yeah, year they they the darlings of the NFL after being a team that they also thought was going to probably win three or four yeah, games is, this year. There is absolutely no excuse in an NFL season to lose every game. Which is There's what's no, gonna happen in New York, by the way. You're convinced the Jets, the Jets are the Jets are losing the Jets are losing every game. Very bad, man. I mean and Darnold, I, I I again watching that game this weekend, I mean Darnold is not I don't know. Well, it's it, tough because he he's not, he's got all the talent, but the, the the situation is just too bad. And they you know, his he's regressed because of the the, the bad yeah. coaching and the bad talent they put around him. It's been a malpractice yeah. by that front office uh, leading up into the season. I don't necessarily blame Joe Douglas for this season because, you know, he comes in. This is his first full season. So he's got to build it how he's got to build it. And and I, I don't – they just tried throwing money at problems a couple years ago, and that didn't work. So I don't think that, oh, he, they should have been out here just trading all of their assets and doing whatever. You know, he, he, he can't, you know, kind of, you know, uh, short this thing. He can't try to take shortcuts. But – you know, the problem is now we're in year three of Sam Darnold, and I don't think anybody has a good feeling about where he's at. Um, and, you know, earlier in the season when it was, you know, 0-4, 0-5, -0 Sam had been hurt a couple games, I said, yeah, I mean, we'll see what we get to the number one pick and, you know, maybe make a decision uh, about, Ty, you know, Lawrence and or, or if you trade the pick. I mean, Sam just looks so lost right now. I just think, I think you, you got to move on. I, and I, I you don't like saying I don't like saying that because I really like Sam Darnold, but I'm like he looks so shot. It's like to to get the kind of pieces necessary to fix him ain't gonna be next year. Like it's gonna be maybe two years probably at least for you for you get a team that's comparable where you're not. So we're gonna wait five six years, never knowing what Sam Darnold is, hoping that well, but five years we'll know he's. He's got it because we got a decent team around him. I mean, the timeline for where he is as a player and where the Jets are just don't match. He needs to be on a team like Chicago, 
uh, or a team, so some team with some talent that you yeah. know, and a team that can protect yeah. them. Yeah, and and a, and a decent offensive coaching staff that you come in, plug him in, and let's see what he does now that he's got some some players around him. Because I, I don't, I don't, I think he can play. I'm not a guy who hates make a Philly. The Philly situation is just, I mean, talk about players who are shot. I mean, it, and I know you, 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 you know, you've been close to that situation, um, in the past. Yeah. yeah. Wentz is, I, it don't look like it's gonna happen for this team, for him there. That's that that feeling. That's the feeling I get. Is this is a team, you know, Roseman? He gets a lot of, uh, well, he ain't getting a lot of love now, but I mean, he he's earned a lot of rope given they won a Super Bowl. But I mean, to me, he's got an answer for just how like the 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 depletion of talent that's happened in such a quick amount of time. I mean, the Eagles team that yeah, won the Super Bowl felt like this. They felt like they had just like uh, just a Trevor trove of talent on the opposite side of the ball. And now I watch them, I'm just like, what the hell happened? Like, I see Miles Sanders and nobody. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, you know, he and, you know, Roseman's gotten a lot. Um, you know, I think some uh, Brian Westbrook, you know, and, and Kay Adams on, on, on Good Morning Football NFL Network made a very good point that, you know, I made, you know, about a month or two ago that they got to run the football. You know, I mean, I drop agree with stuff. that. Yes, I agree with that for sure. It's not. Like, and I know it's tough in today's NFL, but again, we see it with the Miami Dolphins, especially when Drew is out there. Like, they don't, don't drop, they don't drop back and throw it forty times. And I'm not saying I don't know if that's what the stats have come out to with Wentz, but Miles Sanders has to get more touches. Um, if he's not getting twenty to twenty-five carries a game, then that that's that it's hard for them to win because their offensive line is not good. It, it, it just it just isn't. I mean, um, they they can't pass block. I mean, you. You can't, you can't you just, at this at this point you can't be dropping back Wentz more than thirty times a game to me. Like right. that's just that's just foolish football. Even if you're down, I mean, unless you're down two, three touchdowns, then you have to. They, have they've to been the in all of these games. They just lost. It's not like they've that's been getting blown out. That's what's so bizarre, and and I know they do have some some talent at receiver. So I know they're kind of like, all right, but we drafted Rager and. You know, we drafted two other receivers. and But, like, these guys are still developing. I mean, like, you can run a complimentary-style offense. Right. With, you know, with you know, getting those guys. And, actually, I think a player like Rager, you run more play action if you really pound, them the, pound the rock with Scott and Sanders. He's the kind of guy that maybe you could take the top off the defense with. You know, I love Jalen Rager, and I think he's shown some things in these early uh, in this early season. but Or not early, early career, rather. But... You you like I'm looking at these last games. Forty five dropbacks, forty five uh, attempts against Seahawks. He was six sacked six times. That's fifty dropbacks. Uh, Thirty five dropbacks against Cleveland. That was in a rainstorm. Um, he had five sacks. That's forty dropbacks. Uh, Thirty seven dropbacks against the Giants. They lost. He had three sacks. That's forty dropbacks. <laughs> like you, that just no way. You cannot play that kind of football with this team the way they're constructed. It just there's no excuse for it. Miles yeah. Sanders averaging like five yards, five point six yards a carry. They got him on the yeah, football more. K. Yeah, Adams yeah. right. Yeah, no. Nah. So that that to me is is a simple. I don't want to say it's a fix because, but it, like this, that the division is so bad. Like even that kind of adjustment, if it wins you two games, it might win you the division. You know, what I mean, they you know like they they're not out of it, and there's just no the schedule is brutal. They got the Packers, the Saints. And then the Cardinals. 
Yeah, when, really when, when, the, next, the, the next win looks like Cowboys Week 16. And I don't know yes, if I can man. really pencil any win for this team. No, they're not good enough to. Yeah, they're not good enough to give them that 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 that, that credit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, at what point, if you're the Eagles, do you say maybe maybe we want to lose games? I mean, this draft is looking pretty good. I, Wentz, I, I think you could still win with Wentz. Um, he's, he seems like a pretty tough-minded guy in the sense that I think if you got him the pieces, I think he could still be really good. Um, but uh, and if I was another franchise. Um, like if I'm Minnesota, obviously he's from the area. I would maybe take a look at him, but um, especially if you're at this point, Minnesota's too good to to get one of the higher end guys in this year's draft. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, but if I'm Philly, if you can get Penny Sewell from Oregon, left tackle, seems like a generational kind of tackle. I know. I mean, the Bengals seem like they've got him circled obviously yeah. uh it's a shame what happened to joe burrow but um if, if but if you can get someone like that i mean you have to think about all right how many games are we trying to lose but i don't know they're still in it though that's why you can't think like that because they can still make the playoffs and the eagles and giants are two teams that know just as long as you can get in things can happen so are you are you still that, con- are you still convinced that the buccaneers are a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. 100%. 100%. I mean, I know I know there have been some concerns. Uh, you know, they don't play as well on national TV, you know, which, I, you know, is not a uh, not a good thing because once you get the playoffs, every game's on national TV. But um, they haven't played well in primetime type of game, in primetime games, but um, but they they are still a... They they seem like they they remind me of like a LeBron team where like you know a LeBron Cavs team where it's like oh man this team kind of you know laboring through the regular season what's going on but 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 I I, I think they or like the Warriors at times and I know this is kind of a team they're almost more like the Clippers from this season where it's like yeah I mean yeah you guys this is definitely the Clippers of the of the, of the yeah they're kind of Clippers, like oh yeah you know <laughs> you know we're 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 revving up we're getting ready for playoff mode and it's like you guys haven't won anything what are you talking about we're going to turn on the switch, but that's how that's it, it, a little bit of what that reminds me of. But I still trust the talent that this roster has, um, and I've seen I've seen I've seen enough good good from this team that I know the NFC is tough. So I mean I don't know what Breeze is going to be like when he comes back. Um, if he comes back this season, um, I don't know what. I mean that so that that's 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 one team in the NFC, but obviously Green Bay has been they had a good win this week in Chicago, uh, but Chicago's awful, so I'm I'm not gonna give them too much credit for that. But I don't know the NFC is it's tough, but it's not. They still to me seem like one of the one of the two or three best teams in the in the conference. So if if you're if I'm looking at you as the top three team in the conference, I think you can be a a Super Bowl team. <sighs> I'm not, I can, I can, I, that, the, the question the question is am I convinced they're a Super Bowl team? I can't say yes. Super Bowl contender, I mean, I can't say yes um, because honestly, it's nothing little to do with the offense. Nothing to do with the offense, but it's actually the defense. Um, when they were riding high and it looked like they were going to be a team to be reckoned with, it was because their defense was playing lights out football. Yeah, Bulls Bulls is doing a great job with them. Yeah, we haven't seen that defense play like that 
in four weeks. Four weeks. I haven't seen that lights out kind of defense. They they got run out of the stadium against the Saints. Even in that Panthers game, they won by 20-plus points. They gave up big plays. They gave up a lot of points. The offense is not. They got some. Yeah, Anderson, you got more. They got some weapons, but that's not a big-time explosive offense. 27 to the Rams. We know what Tyreek Hill did to their defense this past weekend. I, I, I'm i not. I can't say for sure that's what Because to me, if they're not playing that kind of defense, they're not winning. This, they're not going to the Super Bowl. This team is, is a. I don't want to say they're a defensive team first, but I, I think that the offense, I think it kind of has a ceiling. And I don't think that I, I thought that when I came into the season. I thought that their offense would kind of just light up everybody. But I think against the, the best teams, I think we're going to get a certain Tom Brady. He'll be really good. He's not going to – he probably won't kill you, though, I mean, he has in these games in the regular season. the postseason, I don't think we're going to see that, Tom. He's not going to kill you. And they'll make plays, but you think you're gonna win a forty something shootout, or whatever? Like I don't know if that's happening. I don't care how many weapons they got, because they battled some injuries, they battled some continuity issues. They haven't, you know, they haven't quite gotten AB into the fold in a way that's been useful since he came on the team. Um, we know Godwin's been dealing with the injury. I, I don't know. I, I the, to me, the only reason why anybody would be convinced the teams are. Super Bowl contender is because you're not believing the other teams, which I couldn't understand considering Russell Wilson looks like a totally different player than he did earlier in the season where he looked like an MVP candidate. Uh, and the Packers, you want to talk about teams with ceiling, the Packers feel like a team with a ceiling. Like they, they feel like a team that, you know, they'll pound like the worst teams in the NFL. But when they play against the best of the best, like do they stack up? And I think that, you know, it's still a question mark there. So that to me is the only the reason why Tampa Bay would be considered to me a Super Bowl contender is that, well, the rest of the MC, no one in the MC is running away from anybody. The only team that had a chance doesn't have a quarterback right now. That's the Saints. Because what I saw from Hill last week was not pretty. In a game where the other team didn't have a quarterback, like both teams didn't have a quarterback playing in that game. Yeah, Sean Payton. What? I don't know. Do we think was it Sean Payton's decision, or do you think this is a this is a higher up thing? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I, don't, I, I think I think I think Sean has enough autonomy that if he didn't want to start Hill, he wouldn't. Fair enough. I mean, I mean I'm not like for other enough. coaches. They uh, for other coaches they wouldn't have a choice. Like I, to me, Sean like. If he didn't have that kind of autonomy, I think he'd be gone. I don't think he'd be there. But that's that's the feeling I get from right. how he, he runs that squad. <laughs> right. I mean, there may have been a nudge from the front office because I just to me it it doesn't it does it seems odd because I don't know if Jameis unless Jameis really does look bad. I don't know, but I can't imagine because this is I mean this isn't even the same team. And the thing about Jameis, like, the thing about when you put Hill at quarterback is that takes away a a weapon on your team. Like, they they really legitimately use him as an, you know, H-back type player. Like, so now he's a quarterback. That's another player that's now not in the fold of your, you know, as weapons on the outside. So it hurts him as a team. Now, their defense has just been playing really lights out football. They've played uh, exceptional over the past four weeks. 
and that's one of the reasons why they they've gotten out to this this lead in this division. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing about the NFC. It's just that the Bucks the Bucks can sputter almost because of the fact that there's all these other teams with all these question marks. I'm still trying to make it what the Rams are. Like I, I don't know I don't know what to make of them. They because they, they, they were, were looking great far. until they were looking great until this week. They were looking like, oh, this yeah. is a team we need to be talking about. And then they lost to the 49ers. Yeah, golf. Uh it was a bad week for him and Wentz. Um I don't yeah, I don't know what to make of them. You know, I know I know they do have some serious talent on defense. They're the kind of team that could really they they're the kind of team that I would not be I would not want to play in a playoff game. No. Neither um, would I. If I was if I was Tampa, you know, or if I was New Orleans or Green Bay, I wouldn't want to face them. No, um, Donald and Floyd are just yeah, like yeah, Donald just, and Floyd. They, when they pin their ears back, you know, they can really get you. You had no chance to block them. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we saw Ramsey against DK, what he did to Seattle. You yeah. know, like that. That's a uh, you know, I mean, he could take a receiver out of out, out of a game. So it's not. They're not necessarily a team that you want to face, but um, but they they have their warts. You know, they're not certainly not a perfect team. Um, yeah, I and think, you know, like Goff, Goff's only as good as he is week to week. You know, he's not not someone you can rely upon to give you a you know a steady performance every week. Problem with Goff too is the turnovers. You know, yeah. if when he keeps his turnovers down, the team around him is good enough to to beat just about anybody in the NFC. But it's when he gets that turnover bargain boot, that's when, that's when they're vulnerable. You know, because they have a good offense, not a great offense. Um, they have a defense that can really give people a lot of problems. But, I mean, they can't just erase, you know, bad turnovers, which Goff has had from time to time. Um, same thing in Buffalo, you know, with, with Allen. You know, Allen, even when Buffalo plays great, you watch these games sometimes, and you're like, man, if he just – could play more steady and sometimes i feel like he gets a bad rap because it's like the guy's having a great year and we're still complaining about how he plays but just a little bit more sharpness from him sometimes and then buffalo that's why i can't take them seriously as a two Bowl contender out in the afc or a team that could compete with kansas city but if he could clean it up just a little bit i feel like he may be a year away i hope he's a year away because if he's not i don't know if it's ever happening but that to me he's kind of holding him back just a little bit because of that because all the other elements of that, the defense is there. Um, they're not the greatest running team, but he's he's like a running back himself. So, like, he helps their running game. Murray, Murray's got to play better if Arizona wants to be competitive in the playoffs. Because they're not. If they want to make the playoffs, he's got to play better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they, they, they're, in, they're, right in, they're right in the thick of things. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I know he was playing superhuman football early in the season for a second-year player. Um which I mean, I now is like normal that a second year guy just play, plays ridiculous. But, um, but I know he's playing superhuman football, but he's just not anymore. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's dinged up or if he's got to be because uh, he just hasn't been nearly as explosive. I know that Seattle game, he was taking some hits that were pretty tough, and it feels like kind of since then he's been been a little out of it. But, I mean, the good the good news for the Cardinals besides this next. Crucial, crucial game against the Rams. Um, you got the Eagles, the Giants, Eagles, and uh, 49ers before you play the Rams again. 
So you could beat up on some bad teams, get to nine wins. And the question then becomes, you know, can you split with the Rams and is 10 going to be enough in terms of making yeah. the playoffs? Because they're, they're fighting for that. The spot's going to help. But. Yeah, the X spot's going to help them a lot. But that's that's uh, that to me is the question. Um, but, to, you know, then the question, well, the Vikings, are they going to get to 10 games? And, you know, is there, the another, is there another team that's... <laughs> we get to 10 wins? Right, they have to run the table, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> playing, unfortunately, we're playing good football. But Yeah, uh, the Vikings are playing decent football. I mean, you know, Zimmer ain't going to just get fired just not Zimmer fired. man I mean he can coach football he's too good of a coach man I was I was so excited about Justin Fields I, was, I almost ordered my just like I ordered the Justin Fields Georgia jersey years ago you know I almost ordered the Justin Fields Vikings jersey but uh it almost ended up the same way <laughs> but yo how good is Justin how good is Justin Jefferson though man oh man Justin Jefferson what I was a, what a stud my my evaluation of Jefferson was very much a yeah he'll be a solid he'll be a solid kind of slot guy but um mostly a product of Joe Burrow but I mean he's one of the top ten receivers yeah I knew I knew I knew you were bugging we were talking you you were trying to tell me that <laughs> I was like I don't know what you I don't know what games you've been watching yeah man I mean he, the guy is he's like a he's only, he's like a, a like a a less f kind of reminds me of Tory Holt mm, kind of I like that. I was gonna say like a less athletic Odell, but like he, I mean that's almost like disrespectful. But like he kind of really Tory Holt, like that's kind of yeah. you know impact he's had as a rookie. And I mean he's he, I mean he's really good, you know. I mean yeah. the Stephon Diggs trade, I don't think anybody really lost. No, nope. but the Vikings. Got <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's why you gotta love it because you got a player of Diggs caliber easily, and yeah. you got picks. So I mean, yeah, you got picks and he's just cheap. Like Diggs, you yeah, and yeah, yeah. You gotta pay, you know, the 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 premium price for Diggs. You got a dirt cheap, so superstar wide receiver. You know, like, yeah. man, him and Cook, the Vikings can figure out the quarterback and the rest of that thing. If it's not, you know, it's not a uh, Spielman and 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 uh, you know Zimmer, they they have something going there. Uh, <laughs> we, we'll be following what's going on with this uh, the rest of this NFL season uh, on this podcast as we move forward. I want to wrap the show, Kendall, before we do Kendall, uh, uh, Kendall's corner, or Kendall's court, rather, talking about the, the college football situation. So we are nearing the end of what is sure to be one of the most controversial seasons in college football history. Yeah. Into the final weeks, we have an Ohio State team with just four wins in the top four of the college football playoff. Alabama <laughs> is number one. Yes. Notre Dame is number two, and Clemson is number three. Uh, Florida at number six. Texas at five. They, Texas A and M at five. They're right outside the playoff picture. Then you have undefeated Cincinnati at seven, who only have uh, back-to-back games with Tulsa to close out the season because Tulsa is going to be the team that will face them in the conference championship game, and that's determined already. So they have them to finish the season, and then they play them again. So it's going to be really weird. Uh, uh, and then you have BYU already down 13, and and they have a top 20 matchup with Coastal Carolina that seems to just be hanging in the balance uh, that they've they've talked about you know scheduling on the fly. That's really what they've been doing, it feels like, almost all season. Uh, so this has just been crazy. What's been going on? If Ohio State is the only team is only able to play five, you know, six or seven games because we you know they had a game canceled this past weekend. The way that things are happening in the Big Ten, uh, and a lot of those states, you know, are having really bad COVID issues. It, it's not sure really how many, how if these teams will be able to stave off 
Yeah, if they miss cases, one more game, they can't play in the Big Ten Championship game. Right. So, so if they're not able to do that, should they be allowed in, given those other teams' high, uh, body of work? The way the numbers are shaking out, I, it's going to be hard to, to not put them in. Um. I mean, yeah, you know, unless they just like don't play another game, that was a whole other conversation. But you know, like, if they were able to get this Michigan State game in this week, but maybe they don't play Michigan or vice versa, um, and they don't play in the big, if they able to get one more game in and they win, almost regardless of how they win, if they win fairly convincingly or whatever, uh, then to me it's hard to not put them in just because we know. Look, the SEC, you've got AM and Alabama, who. When are they going to play each other? They play each other, um, I imagine, the next couple of weeks. Uh, uh, let me check that. You know, regardless, before uh, you know, uh, before you're you're able to find that, you know, you have the SEC championship game where, assuming Florida runs the table and assuming Bama runs the table, one of those teams is going to beat each other up, and assuming Bama now, beats Florida. Now let me let me say something real quick. It is this is the year if I'm not mistaken. They 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 got rid of the. Divisions, right? So it won't just will it just be the two top teams? Am I right about that? You, you might be right. I think I'm pretty sure that's how it's supposed to be this year. I know it's so hard to follow everything. Yeah, you might be right. All these rules. I know. I'm thinking in like you know, <laughs> the traditional things. Yeah, 2018 formats. You know. All right. So when's uh when's that when's that? Yeah, they, they played they played A and M already earlier this season. Alabama. Yeah, they played A and M. I totally. Yeah, yeah that's their that's their only loss. They beat A and M. Um, but. And a and Florida. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously you have that SEC championship game. And if Florida, if Alabama beats Florida, then, or a and I'm assuming, again, if it's one of those deals where it's you can play the same team twice, you know, there's a chance one of those teams is going to get beat up. We know in the ACC championship game we're going to have a rematch of Notre Dame and Clemson, it seems. And that seems like another game where, the loser may get eliminated, especially if the loser is Clemson. Um, I would still favor Clemson in that game, especially if Lawrence is playing, but um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Notre Dame could win. Um, and so the way those numbers are shaking out, like if these teams continue to beat each other up, I would favor Ohio State even with having only played five games over Cincinnati, even if Cincinnati runs the table, which I've done quite a few Tulsa games this year, uh, kind of looked at a lot of their games, and Tulsa is serious. Uh, they're not, yeah, they're not a team to be to be messed around with. They've got got some guys on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Xavier Collins, a linebacker, is going to be a first round guy. I mean, he's like six four. Guy's a tank. Um, and they're they, they and they've got. I mean, it, it's classic Tulsa. You know, they're gonna they're gonna spread you out, throw a lot, throw the ball a lot. Um, so they're not going to be an easy team to beat. And Cincinnati's had some close calls over there in the American Conference. They're not unbeatable. But Cincinnati's defense is that's yeah. Is legit. I mean, their their defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman, uh, to me, would be on the first. If you know, if I'm a school uh, like Pittsburgh, that you know, maybe maybe <laughs> one from their coach, uh, defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman would be on the. He'd be at the top of my list um, if I can't get you know one of the A listers because uh, that defense is serious and he looks like he may be the. the he he may. I know Luke Fickle gets a lot of the 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 publicity and rightfully so. He's like, he's the head coach, but Freeman looks like he may be the the real reason why that team is what they are. But yeah, only only UCF has given them really any trouble defensively. Everyone else, yeah, they just yeah, they UCF just put to sleep. Like your game, yeah, you know? right, exactly. 
I mean, no one can stop them. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Cincinnati's they're not they're not they're not they're not a team to 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 snooze to snooze on. But I don't know if they've got the quarterback play to really compete at the playoff level. I'll just be honest. You know, Desmond Desmond uh, Ritter has been been good. Um, you know, he's he's a good you know non power five college quarterback. But I don't. When you're talking about the playoff, man, I mean, it, we saw it Washington a couple of years ago when they played against Bamba. And people were like, Jake Browning, you know, this Washington team can be dangerous. Like, it's just a different it's a different animal. Man. Yeah, when you're playing against it, because the, the problem also isn't even just the quarterback, but it's like the guys he has around him, too. Yeah. Like, is this guy, you know, playing against a, a team that has a better defensive line than your offensive line, better corners than your corners? <laughs> you know, better, like, yeah. Right. Like, you know, better receivers than your corners. Like, are you, are you, Gonna still be able to get the best out of these guys in that circumstance, and usually it takes. Some guys are. Sometimes you have special players like Cam. Yeah. I mean, no, this is a different scenario. But Cam Newton was able to do that with Al, with Auburn when he was yeah. playing against Alabama. Like yeah, Alabama, we better players on every every facet of the game. But you know what? They had one guy that was better than everybody. That's all that mattered. Baker almost beat Georgia. Now, to be fair, like I mean, he had his wide receivers, D.D. Westbrook and C.D. Lamb. Those guys, I mean, those guys are studs. You know, <laughs> he wasn't playing with the the little sisters of the poor, but right. you know, but still, people he came into that match with people thinking that they were outmatched by that Georgia defense, and he lit them up. You know, um, it's, so yeah. you can't if you're a superstar quarterback, which is why I'm gonna go on my rant, which is why BYU is being so disrespected right now. And I know people, some people don't agree. Some people feel like, look, BYU, who have they played? I I understand that. I understand they haven't really played the toughest competition. Uh, it's not really their fault, but you know they had a they had a tough schedule lined up, and you know everything got got you know washed away. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can't you're not going to give them a cookie because they they unfortunately lost their tough schedule. But the way they have played this season, to me, warrants them. Maybe not, I'm not saying you got to just put them in, but if things sure out, shake out a certain way, they shouldn't be below. You know, OU or some of these teams that they're kind of putting in in that in that range. I mean, last week they had Oregon, you know, right by them, and it's just to me, like, just the disrespect when you have a superstar quarterback like Zach Wilson, and we'll see it this week. They're gonna they're gonna destroy Coastal Carolina, and Coastal Carolina is a nice story, but they're another, you know, they're a solid non power, <laughs> they're a solid non power five conference team, but they're not. You know, they're, I mean, they're nowhere near the playoff level, and you know, I don't. They're, they're, you know, they're they're barely power five level, and so I mean, BYU is going to really run it on them, and especially with no preparation, it's it, BYU only was pre- was preparing for Coast Carolina versus Coast Carolina preparing for Liberty, right? And it was like, oh, now we're playing BYU actually. So, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> so I mean, it's not it's not going to be pretty. I mean, I'm glad they get the college game day stuff and Myrtle Beach and stuff, so I'm sure they'll be excited, but. It's not going to be pretty. Um, and it'll be a good commercial for BYU's playoff chances and Zach Wilson's Heisman campaign, but it's not a, uh, but it's not going to be pretty, but that team is, that team's legit. Their offense is, you want to talk about video game stuff. I mean, the, the their, their office coordinator, Jeff Grimes has done an incredible job with Zach Wilson. I mean, yeah, the stuff, the stuff that, that Vac, yeah, stuff that Zach Wilson pulls off every week is just like, yeah, I mean, he's like Twitter's favorite college football player because some of the throws yeah. and the stuff they do. I mean, incredible. he's it's. I know a lot of people are comparing Trask to Burrow from last season, 
and you know some of the numbers and playing the SEC, I understand the comparison, but it really is Zach Wilson. It just he hasn't played the competition to really, and he doesn't play on national TV every week like like Burrow did or like Trasta. But but I mean the stuff that that Zach Wilson has done, if you watch him week to week, it's that same effect that Joe Burrow gave you, where you're like, wow. I mean, literally, he pitches a perfect game every game. You know, and and we've seen that now with a lot of quarterbacks. And you know, had we been doing these shows, I probably would have already done a Kendall's corner. EJ's already heard my spiel on how these quarterbacks this year have been, you know, like just the quarterback Ph- play in general. Phenomenal. In yeah, yeah, it's just phenomenal. It's it's light years ahead of where it was five years ago. You um, see, all these guys are great. You know, and the teams that don't have a guy that's great, like Penn State, Michigan, can't win games. Don't have a chance. Teams- yeah, yeah, unless they're playing each other, you can't win games. So it, it's it's uh it's really it's really incredible. But Zach Wilson still stands head and shoulders above the rest outside of Fields and Lawrence. So it's and Mac Jones, I'll give Mac Jones his credit as well. He's played excellent. But uh, but no, yeah, BYU is being totally respected. But how do you feel about this? Game? I mean, look, I feel like for the Ohio State, I feel torn because I think that they're one of the top four teams in the country. Probably. The question becomes, should you just then be automatically be placed into the playoffs for not proving it? Because I don't think you can prove that you're a top four team having only played five games. I, I don't. I just really don't think that. Like, there's no what, way. And the game against the toughest team you played, you looked shaky. Yeah. Yeah, the game you, you played. You dominated for like a quarter and then you looked bad for a quarter. Yeah, and like, you didn't look that great. And... I think Indiana is a great story. I mean, shout out to Penix. I know he tore his ACL. That was a terrible injury. Yeah. But Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Uh, Tom Allen. <laughs> Tom Allen's done an excellent job with that team. Oh, I didn't sure. even know who the coach was coming into the year. I was like, wait, who's their coach? Yeah, I never heard of him. Shout out <laughs> yeah. to Allen. But, yeah, like, but, I mean, it was, it's Indiana. And that was your – so, like, to me, it's like I'm putting you in only based off of the blowout games and what you did last season. Doesn't feel all that fair to Cincinnati, to those two SEC teams, uh, you know, Florida. And by the way, it will be SEC East and West. I had to check that. That was, uh, even though they are playing like a round-robin schedule, they're still doing it like the divisions, which is kind of weird, right. but whatever. Yeah, I've assumed all year we would see Florida and Alabama. So right. I, the, the, my assumptions. I guess to me, the way I look at it is the way if – the only way I see there being an issue for Ohio State, in my opinion, is if Florida beats Alabama. Because yeah, now you're kind of dicey. Because now it's like, okay, am I really going to say that Ohio State deserves to be in over Alabama? Yeah, I mean, one loss Ohio, Alabama. Ohio State only played five games, and a team that won every regular season game. Like I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry, I, I can tell you right now, I wouldn't do that. But I think that's it's, the only scenario yeah. where I'm skipping someone over Ohio State. But it sucks. I feel bad for those other teams. And, and you're definitely putting Florida over them. Yeah. You if Florida to. beats Alabama, you have to. You can't. Yeah, because yeah, you have to put Florida over Alabama. Maybe. Yeah, SEC champion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to. It's tough, man. Because, like, I mean, we both picked Ohio State to win the national championship before the year, if I'm correct, right? I believe so. Yeah, I know you picked Fields to win the Heisman. I picked Fields to win the Heisman as well. I picked them to win the national championship. I think you did as well. And... You know, I mean, I think they. Let me pick Clemson. How do I pick Clemson? Yeah, I think you might have. You may have picked Clemson. I think you may have picked right. Fields to win Heisman, but Clemson to win it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, like I, I still, I feel good about those picks. 
you know, if, you know, if you just if you take the virus out of it, which is like, you know, living in fantasy land <laughs> or the White House. But like when you, <laughs> when you take the virus out of it, like, I mean, Clemson, you know, I mean, Ohio State has played excellent. You know, I know, again, they had the game with Indiana, which Indiana played them tough. But overall, they've they've been they've been what we expected. They haven't they haven't they've done they haven't done they, in fact, Fields has played maybe even better than I expected. I mean, I thought he could challenge Lawrence. I mean, I probably liked him better than Lawrence coming into the season, which was a, a obviously a minority opinion. And I think he's looked better than Lawrence this season. You know, doesn't mean he'll go number one, but it is what it is. Um, but but it's also tough to to again, like you said, just the the merit, the stats. We we can't pick teams off of preseason polls, and that's what, that's what you'd be doing if you put, if you gave them that spot. But yeah, they didn't earn anything. But the preseason polls had them this high, and they yeah. haven't proven us wrong. So, which plenty of teams have won the first five games of their season in preseason and falling apart. Yeah, and falling apart. I mean, look at, I mean, no, there's no disrespect, but look at what Miami has done, like the last decade. Right. You know, I mean, they've had plenty of seasons where you know we're like the U is back after three games and then they fall apart. But and so Ohio State has done that, but there's no, there's no, there's no telling what could have happened if this was a, if this was a full season. So it's, yeah, it's tough. I mean, this is why we gotta we gotta we gotta pack the playoff. I, I mean, uh, playoff reform. <laughs> I, 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 I that term, pack the playoff. Is that, is, did you make that up, or is that something people are saying? Well, you said, I, I, I made that up. I haven't heard that yet. But You got you to gotta, you gotta, uh, gotta yeah, say hashtag, that one. Yeah, I got to hashtag that on Twitter. <laughs> That's hashtag a good one. Because we have to play the playoff. Man. I know there are some people, there are some traditionalists that are like, no, four teams makes it more interesting. And look, if you want to say in regular terms, Four teams is out the way to go. I would still disagree, but I would say, all right. I mean, I've loved the sport for the last in my whole life, anyway. So, um, you know, I'm not going to complain over the fact it's only four teams. But and you know, my team, my favorite team, Pittsburgh, is in a conference where if we won every game, we'd be in the playoffs. So I'm not going to complain. But if you're talking about this season, where you have eight teams playing, and again. If you we have you have eight teams now, they give a chance for every team that really would be in the conversation to get a chance. Now, right. a team like BYU doesn't have to complain that we won every game. We're obviously the best. We obviously have maybe the best quarterback in the country, and we're not even in the conversation. Now they'd be in the conversation, and it'd be more even be it'd be even more disrespectful to have them at thirteen because now it's like wow, you're not even going to put them in an eighteen playoff. Come on now, um, or a team like Cincinnati, and now a team like Ohio State. You have to put them in, you know, but these are conversations that, you know, I mean, obviously I know you don't, you want to talk about, you don't want to play too many games in a pandemic and too many variables with an 18 playoff. But to me, that's the only way that, that if you wanted to have a legitimate, I want to say legitimate, cause that's maybe a little for a little far, but, um, but if you would have like a, an unquestioned national champion, that was the only way you can go about it. Not unquestioned top four. Um, yeah, that's the only issue is is the pandemic. Is you know, if there was yeah. no pandemic, obviously we wouldn't be in a situation. But I would agree. I'd say, yeah, you know, if there's some reason why the season was shortened like this, I'd say, yeah, just add more teams. But I can't justify adding more games given how crazy this is happening. This this whole thing is right now and what's going yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, four right. games. I mean, four games is enough, or three games right. really is enough. Right, exactly. Um, hashtag though, pack the playoff. <laughs> um, Kendall, let's uh, get out of here. Uh, Kendall's Court, what do you got? Yeah, so Kendall's Court, EJ. Um, we're going to stay in college football, but we're going to talk about one of my favorite 
Uh, and I know you like it as well. One of my favorite topics to discuss when it comes to all sports, really. And it's not really, it's a little bit of a touchy topic because you're talking about other people's money and other people's livelihoods. But, uh, yeah, you got to be careful about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You never, you know, <laughs> I don't tell somebody how to eat. Um, but we got to talk about the college football coaching carousel. Um, it's, it, it's about, it's basically started. I mean, it's really, it started this week. Vanderbilt's, uh, head coach, Derek Mason, uh, after they had their historic game this weekend against Missouri, where Sarah Fuller, uh, you know, became the first female to play in a power five game. Yeah. Shout uh, out to Sarah Fuller, Fuller for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was locked in on that game. Man. I, I don't know what you were watching Saturday at 12. I don't know what SEC game. I know some people watching Florida and Kentucky. I was watching Vandy and Missouri. So shout out to Sarah Fuller because there's no way in heck I haven't watched the Vandy. Oh, that's that's not true. I actually, I actually was was I actually had to watch the Vandy game this year, unfortunately, against, against Florida uh, a couple weeks ago. But outside of that, I haven't watched the Vandy game all season, and it's been intentional. But I did watch that game, and it was it was fun to watch the one play that she got out there because they were so bad that they couldn't get even in field goal. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get a point, you know. They could get a touchdown to get get an extra point. So uh, it was. I look. I was frustrated to where I was watching the game. I was like, man. I mean, this guy Mason's got to go. I mean, you can't get a point against Missouri. I mean, Missouri is the bottom of the conference. So yeah. I mean, I I understand the frustration and why they got rid of Derek Mason. Because um, I'm not even a Vanderbilt fan, and I was kind of like, we got. And look, shout out to Derek Mason because you know we do need more uh, diversity. You know, he's the only black coach in the SEC. Uh, one of the one of the few black coaches in all of college football. So, you know, hopefully he can land on his feet pretty well, and he will. Uh, he did, you know, I think he did a fairly decent job at Vanderbilt. It's a tough job, uh, and you know, he has good pedigree as well. So, I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine. But uh, yeah, it started that started this week. But really, what's what's interesting to me is the the Texas situation, and then the two situations in the Big Ten with Michigan and Penn State. Uh, Texas right now sounds like the people that the the people that matter around the program, the the boosters, whatever you want to call them, want Tom Herman gone. Um, and I understand, I understand the frustration that Texas isn't back, but I would point, I'd point to one, I'd point to look, Shaka Smart. Look at what Shaka Smart's doing. I know that's like, all right, it's basketball. But, like, I mean, a lot of them wanted probably wanted Shaka Smart gone after last year. And they got rid of him. Um, but I would also point to Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. And why I think that they shouldn't move on from Tom Herman this season. Because when you look at Brian Herman, when you look at Brian Herman, you look at Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, his first couple of seasons at Notre Dame, he had he – had, I, I want to say he had the Manti Teo year pretty early at his time in Notre Dame. He's been there a long time now. So I may be, I may have yeah, he's been that. there a really long time now. So I don't even know. I forget exactly when he got there. I think he got there around like 2010. And I think the Manti Teo thing might have been like a little bit after that. But, uh, but regardless, like he had kind of a similar situation with uh, Herman where they started out and they were, they were good, but not great. And there was still, there were some people that really didn't like him and, you know, we were all kind of waiting for them to eventually move on from Brian Kelly. And they stuck with him in ways that I probably thought was was a little too – they went a little too far. You know, I probably would have gotten rid of him as well at certain points. But they stuck with him. And now 
I mean, he's one of the greatest coaches in school history at this point, you know, and especially considering what they're going to do this year, potentially. Um, if you're if you're Texas, I would ask you, what are you replacing Tom Herman with? Because right now the coaching pool, the candidate pool is not as high as not as strong as it's been maybe in years past. I mean, nobody's really dying to coaching college football right now given the circumstances and money is pretty dry. And I know Texas isn't dry probably for money, but in general, money is dry around college football. And, you know, I always say when it comes to coaching, I say it in all sports, pro and college, I'm not firing a coach without having replacements, candidates, even at least candidates that are better than the coach that I'm firing. And, no name that I've heard for Texas besides Urban Meyer is a name that's any better than Tom Herman. Any better than Tom Herman is now, but certainly any better than Tom Herman was when he came in just, what, three years ago? Four years ago? It wasn't that long ago. Right. And honestly, Tom Herman, they stole from LSU, who was about to hire Tom Herman out of, out of Houston, uh, but then they stole from – he went to Texas, obviously, local situation, and they, they got stuck with Ed Orgeron, who you liked. You actually liked that hire. I did not like the hire, but, you know, I was like, well, they couldn't, they wanted Herman. They couldn't get him, so I guess this is what they have to deal with. And Ed o, Coach O won a championship. But outside of that championship, what's really the difference between LSU and Texas? Now I know. I mean, saying outside of the championship, that's a like, lot, though. Yeah, yeah. But what? Texas fans, that you know, that Vince Young run looking longer and longer. Yeah, you know, I know. It's it, 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 a lot. But, but like you have to be realistic. Sometimes you 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 fall into a, an excellent situation. That's what happened with Coach O. And not say he fell into that because he he orchestrated. It. Like he got Burrow, he got Joe Brady, brought in Joe Brady, who no one knew, no one ever heard of. Like he did things where like you have to give him that credit that Herman may not have done. But still, outside of that one season, they, they've had a pretty similar tenure, uh, the both of them. So I, to me, I'm not – and maybe that says more about Coach O than it does about Herman. Maybe it's like, oh, maybe Coach O is not going to be there forever. I don't know. But to me, I wouldn't move on from Herman. But what do you see from Herman real quick? I feel like, yeah, I felt the Herman situation. I think the problem with Texas right now is the upside feels so low right now with Tom Herman. Like, you hired him because you felt like he was a high upside guy. Right. And in four years, we kind of have a little base of what his program would look like, given, like, the recruits and things like that. And you see what the hype was. You know, Sugar Bowl win. It's kind of a surprise win. You know, 10-4 season. So, it's nice. It's not what Texas is looking for. In between that, you got 7-6, and 8-5. This year, you're 5-3 and three in a year that you should have been. Yeah, Sam Allen. In their eyes, trying to win it, trying to compete for a playoff spot. So, yeah. I think for them, they just Especially kind of look at it. Down. Right, and no use down. You no, know, I know it's a pandemic, it's a weird year, but I just think you look at that and you're like, this don't look like the kind of place where there's a high ceiling for us to do great things. Could he win a conference here and there? Could he get us to, you know, a New Year's Six? Yeah, but maybe that's not what they want. The one, the one thing I left out is that. And what really started the, the chirping is that they had the number one player in the country for 2022, number one quarterback and number one player in the country, Quinn Ewers, committed from Texas, obviously, and which was a great get a couple months ago. It was like, all right, Herman, they're gonna, he's going to be here as long as Ewers is committed. And then 
Ewers out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago decommitted, and then right. last week committed to Ohio State. Right. So it's like, all right, now it's you like, yo, we got we got you because of to do what Ohio State is, is doing now. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why you're here. That's what Ryan Day ended up. Ryan Day ended up being what we thought you would be. Right. Like, exactly. So in their eyes, and you lost a local kid to Ohio State, all yeah, the way up north. Yes, unacceptable. That's, yeah, it's inexcusable. So, so, so I understand it, but again, who like give me a name? I don't know the name. I mean, I know some people have talked about Matt Campbell at Iowa State. The in conference stuff is sometimes tough. You know, I mean, does he really want to go to a school in conference? Yeah, in conference um, would be weird. That he has, you know, I mean, he might have a better program right now than Texas is. Um, yeah, even he's been. I, you know, I don't know if he's a slam dunk. I think he's a very good coach, but I don't know if he's a slam dunk. Um, again, Urban Meyer. If you can get him, then fine. Yeah, all right. But you know, some people have said he he may not be interested in doing that right now. Um, I mean, if you get him, like, yeah, you're going to win a national championship in the next. Season. Yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer. I mean, you know, he's a questionable character to me. But I mean, you you know, you sell your soul to have him run your program. Yeah, it's that simple. So so yeah, he's the kind of guy that you have. Yeah, to he's I, yeah. You try and you try and get. Um, and <laughs> he'll take the job, regardless of Tom Herman being his guy or not. Right. <laughs> Say that much, uh, given what we know about the Herman uh, Meyer thing. But um, it's, I don't know. I mean. Are there any ex-NFL coaches that would make sense? That's what's interesting to me. And I actually think that Michigan is a school that makes more sense for the NFL kind of guy than Texas. I know people have talked about I, agree, I do agree with that. I know people talk about Joe Brady for both Texas and Michigan. And I don't know if Joe Brady really wants to coach in college. Uh, I think if he wanted to, he could have could have done it last year. But, um, but he's done an excellent job in Carolina. So I'm sure he'll get calls. Um, and I, even Joe Brady, as great as of an offensive mind as he is, is a little bit of a risk. <laughs> because he only, he only did it one year. In college, like, he only did the job one year. He wasn't offensive coordinator. He was he was like a passing game coach. Uh, it's it's a, it's a risky it's a risky move. But um, the, yeah, I don't know. Bob Stoops is a guy that I would look that's at. That's what I that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, Bob Stoops. If you're Texas, would he take the job? I mean, he literally is. He coached this week practice for Oklahoma. So like, because they had coaches out for quarantine. So. It, I don't know. Would he take the Texas job? I mean, that's that's like people that say that Urban Meyer would be a great candidate for Michigan. It's like he's never going to coach Michigan. So I don't know. Um, this is a risky guy, but what about Brent Venables? Brent Venables is the name that intrigues me if I'm Texas. That's the, the one guy. That's the one guy the if you told me I can get, that I can get, I would say. All right. I know defense doesn't really sell, but Brent Venables is – uh, I mean, he's the best defense coordinator in the country. I mean, yes, me. He's also the most like visible coordinator. Yeah. In in, in America, everyone knows who he is. Um, Texas, you instantly have credibility, given what he's done at both OU and Clemson. Right. And again, like you say, he just knows the area. He's recruited the area. He's one of the best recruiters in the country. I mean, it's that's that's the other slam dunk. Um, would it be a little bit of like Kirby Smarter Georgia where you're like, all right, is he good enough to win a national championship? I don't know. But he's good enough to make them 
better than what they are now. Similar to Kirby Smart when he took over. So, yeah, Brent Venable is the one guy, but he might be a Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. I guess the problem, but the problem, I guess, to me with uh, the problem with Texas to me is kind of their problem for decades. It's just that like they haven't gotten a coach to me that like won't let them be soft, and Venables won't let them be soft. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, they, I, like, I, like, I kind of like the idea of putting that kind of guy in that situation. Yeah, because you're going to have the talent. Exactly. The talent comes, but you need someone that's going to really coach him out, especially, like you said, on the defensive side of the ball. It's just, in the Big 12, can you win with a defensive coach? That's, that's going to be the question. I, I just I think in college football now, it's just a matter of, like, I really think it's just, like, who your coordinators are. I mean, we've seen it at Miami with Rhett Lashley this year. Saw the LSU. We saw the LSU last year. Like, if you got a, you got crappy coordinators, like you have no chance unless you're a head coach that can call the plays. You know, if you don't got right. guys who can scheme up things and get your guys available. You just don't have a chance. So when we talk about you know, can a defensive coach win? I mean, the guy who's the best coach in college football is a defensive coach. That was Sweeney yeah. is a defensive coach, and you know yeah. people forget because it's like it's been so many years since he's been. I know a you're talking about Nick but oh yeah, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. Even Nick Saban as well. So like, so again, it, a lot of it is about the talent and the and the scheming, uh, which is not really coming from the head coach a lot. A lot of it's coordinator stuff. So, do I think Brent Venables, if they gave him a blank check, could find a guy who could scheme up some stuff for Texas? Yeah, yeah, I think he could. If there's somebody, and look, we always say it, but like, if there's somebody who knows offensive football, it's great defensive coordinators. Defensive coordinators, exactly. Yeah. So Brent Venable can find you. He, know, he knows the guys that give that can give him trouble that that he respects. Right. He, he he knows. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about on that, on that side of the ball exactly. So so that yeah that that gives me more you know you know if I'm an AD and you're you're a search firm kind of giving me candidates and I'm asking you questions that gives you more uh, confidence that Venables could work. The thing I was gonna say on Michigan is that I. There are zero college names that make any sense to me at Michigan. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could tell me that, again, it would be Venables. It would be great probably in Michigan, too, that he makes more sense for Texas. But, um, I mean, again, I mean, is Urban Meyer coming? Uh, probably not. But the hardball thing is it's, it's, it's done. It's run its course. And I think that, unlike Herman, where there's upside, I don't think there's much upside there at Michigan. You know, I don't think there's much... No. And Kelly chance for him to turn it around. It seems like it, the wheels are coming off. But I think it's Michigan seems like the kind of school that would appeal to a lot of NFL coaches, just like he did with Harbaugh. Um, you know, I thought about. Can I, can, I, can I give you a name for the Michigan? Yeah, so I want to hear your, your names or name. What about Jim, what about Jim Caldwell? Jim Caldwell. So I mean, obviously he did coach the Lions. You know, is, is he, doesn't, Cal- he doesn't coach offensive football in the Stone Age the way. Jim Harbaugh does. That's true. He coaches more modern football. I think he was scheming the hell out of all these Big Ten guys. And I think I think that he would get players. I think that like he like we may think he's kind of sleepy, but I think like I think families and people would really like him. I think they'd want to send their kids there. I think he matches Michigan's temperament. Like, in a weird way, Harbaugh doesn't really match Michigan temperament, even though he's a Michigan man, quote-unquote. Like, I, 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 would, I think Jim Caldwell, I don't know if he, I don't know if he want to do it. I have no idea. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's definitely older. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. I was going to meet you with actually a different 
I, I, I'm actually now you, you got me intrigued. I'm actually thinking of a name that I didn't mention. But would you give this guy a call? Would you call Tony Dungy? Yeah, you gotta call him. I don't know if he he answers. Yeah, I don't know if he has any interest. But he's from Michigan, right? Which I didn't even realize. But I mean, he's from Michigan. You know, he's not a Michigan graduate, which obviously is like, all right, then you know, the the alumni is gonna be like, well, then I don't want him. <laughs> but, um, but uh, I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta make the call. Um, the more realistic names, do you, would Marvin Lewis interest you? He's been coaching at Arizona State with Herm. I know the Herm thing was something that people kind of laughed at, kind of scoffed at, but it's gone better than people expected. And they've gotten players more than people maybe gave them credit for. Or, you know, I also gave- think I also think Marvin Lewis would would get guys. I really th- again he similar similar to me. I think he matches Michigan's temperament. Yeah, and yeah, he's. Like, I, I think family would really like him. Did Marvin Lewis have any? I mean, he dealt with a lot of characters. Yes, on through it over the years. <laughs> yes, yes. Did he really have? He he pretty much was co-signed by a lot of those guys. I think I think a lot of them loved him. Yeah, I don't know anyone who disliked him. Yeah, you know, so like any of the guys that had beef there, it was always beef with the owner. Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. So I think players would gravitate towards Marvin Lewis. Um. I, you know, I think he may not be, I don't say cut out for the NFL because, I mean, he certainly can. I mean, he's, you know, made it to the playoffs. He's being cut out for college? No, I was going to say, like, like, he may not oh, be like, right. today's NFL, like, he may not be like somebody that I'm like first on my candidate list. Um, but if you told me college football, I mean, he would, I mean, I mean, again, you were talking about scheme, like, you know, Marvin Lewis knows football. And, so I mean that's somebody, and I mean, do you look at do you think about Jack Del Rio? You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of an out the mean off the mean path. I don't really want I don't want Jack Del Rio around kids. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that ends that for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, to me, like I know I've heard a lot of PJ Fleck. That sounds very uninspired. I know he's at no, Western Michigan, no. but that's just that sounds like a guy who like had one good year, but it's been awful this year. And why am I going to hire a guy whose momentum is trending downward and it's just trying to stay afloat? It's like Georgia Tech hiring Josh Pastner. I mean, it's, it, why do we want to hire a guy who's trying to, trying to get out of there? It, to me, it doesn't make any sense. So um, I'll let I'll let Pitt hire P.J. Fleck or one of these schools. You know, I'm not going to – if I'm Michigan, you know. I, what about Les Miles? This, this is the last name I'll mention for Michigan. I know he, he, he. I know it sounds like yeah, I, years ago to me. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I feel, I, yeah, I feel less. I'm not as scared of like those guys who sound ancient. Because again, my thing is like, yo, are you getting like? Does a guy have blank check to hire his assistants? Because if he does, yeah, I think Les Miles could get some assistants that could <laughs> get guys and scheme up stuff. Like, Kansas is awful. He's won no games there. Like his record is probably like three and twenty five. But it's also Kansas, so I, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I don't, I don't know what to make of what I'm seeing from Kansas with last month. I mean, Kansas is just. I know, uh, homeboy. Uh, uh, what was the guy? The coach, he's coach there. Uh, Mangino. Uh, yeah, Mark Mangino. I know. I know he kind of was a a, a wild like wild man. About, yeah. Um, but 
Well, I mean, what he did there, I don't know if it could ever be repeated. Like, I don't know yeah. how he had that team competing, even at the level they were. It's just that hard. Uh, I like the hire, but man, this is a tough job. I don't, I don't hate Les Miles as much as maybe other people would. I, I don't really take much of what's happening at um at Kansas. You look at, I mean, LSU man, they were like a double digit win team almost every year when he was there. Like, I, like you can get yeah. a guy of that caliber after having to fire your coach, who was a big name. The other coach, name, like, the Michigan guy. The other name I would throw yeah, out real quick is with Bill O'Brien. Um, I would make a call to Bill O'Brien. I know, I know you, yeah, I know you talked about him for Penn State too. Yeah, Penn State, and man, if I'm Penn State, they're not gonna fire Franklin because he's got a 38 million dollar deal. Um, but I'm pushing him. I'm pushing him out the door. Uh, I'm hoping another team scoops him out. But it, it, it's similar to the Herman situation, where you're like, are we finding somebody better, James Franklin? Um, and their issues. I mean, their issues seem to be like if they don't. I like, mean, like. The Miami situation really like kind of crystallized things for me in terms of like the landscape of college football. Like if you don't have a quarterback and a offensive coordinator, like you have no chance again. Yeah. So like that, like that can be fixed in a year, as I learned this year. Yeah, yeah. With the new it, grad transfer model, like typically yeah. I'd be like, yeah. I mean, they got nobody coming in, nobody, no recruits that are dynamic, no quarterback on the roster that scares anybody. They're screwed. But, but it's you know, different you know, who's, gonna, who's gonna enter the portal? In the era of the portal, anything can happen. Yeah, anything can happen, and it's Penn State is one of the biggest programs, and I think there'll be a lot in you know in theory there'll be a lot more um, uh, excitement about maybe joining a program when the fans are allowed to come back playing in Happy Valley. Like uh, maybe they could get somebody who's super nice that gets a, a waiver to play or again a grab transfer. Like I, I don't know. I, the guys are there. They got the talent. Like I mean, Penn State is loaded. You know, in terms of just guys it's just a matter of um it's just a, it's just a matter of quarterback play right now they don't have it at all so that's why they they, they look so bad i i've heard uh i've heard of james franklin to texas being discussed um i'm james not sure why franklin, would te- texas would be texas yeah. would be on crack to hire james franklin in my opinion yeah i, I don't that I mean, would be nuts really um is he an upgrade over Tom Herman? No. You know, no. When a college football coach is ranking, he's probably ahead of Herman. But, like, you know, it's not – again, I wouldn't consider it an upgrade. It would just be like, all right. I, I think that's a ladder. I know I know he's a, he's accomplished more. I want to give him some respect. That's why That's why I say, I mean, he, he's, probably, he's probably a better coach. But the problem, I, I think, with Franklin is I, I, I think he's as good as – his quarterback and his his scheme, like I don't think that like he is raising the level of the roster that's there. And I don't think the antics would would play well in Texas. Uh, I'll be honest. It plays pretty decent in, in in Pennsylvania. I don't think it's playing good in Pennsylvania. It probably isn't. No, I mean it they probably, they they hate him too. You know, it, I mean. But I feel like he'd be good at like, I mean, obviously, like I think he'd be good at like Miami or like USC. But I mean, and it's like, look, they're winning games and nobody cares. But right. like the stuff, I mean, the tweets where he's tweeting, oh, we're gonna, you know, I lie, 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 and he, you know, he loses every week. Like that stuff. It, some at some point, it 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 wears thin on some of these people. But um, 
he'll I mean look he'll find a good play a good spot to you know kind of reset and I think or he'll, he'll, or he'll just stay in a good spot because <laughs> I mean Penn State is Penn State yeah it's a good spot I mean he's not I don't think he'll survive if he stays at Penn State I think is it impossible like you said no it's not impossible but he's never going to pass Ohio State unless Ryan Daly well you mean he's not going to survive this year no yeah he could survive this year yeah I'm saying I think he because I think he will I think he yeah he probably will but I'm just saying, like, I mean, he can. I mean, he can overall, leave. like, he will eventually be gone. Yeah, he can wait to get fired. I mean, no other. If I'm him, I mean, for career preservation, I'd much rather find another school that's probably it's probably gonna be a downgrade from Penn State, but it's not bad. Um, I don't know, some school like Cal or something that's like Tennessee, some school that like it could be good, but you know, needs like a name coach to kind of do it. Um, and someplace out of the Big Ten. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting, it's, been, it's gonna be an interesting year for the carousel, as you can see. Um, it will be. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be paying attention to, again, those to Texas, Michigan, and, and Penn State situations. As a lot, man. Pack the playoff. <laughs> um, man, we gave y'all a lot of time today, but you know what? Y'all deserved it because of all the time we missed. So I really want to thank you guys for checking out this edition of new generation sports talk and as i said you know we're back you know we, you can expect us back pretty much every week um you know all the nba draft is done we'll have some more stuff on youtube and as we get to, to the end of the year uh we'll try to cook up some some more stuff with this pod we'll, we'll, we'll come up with new ideas for the next year so i really like the, the, the direction where new generation is heading and um i'm happy you guys are on the, along for the ride so thank you guys for checking us out for this episode and checking us out all year course you can check us out on new generation podcast network that can be found on spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud stitcher and tune in also catch us on youtube new generation media follow us on social media we're on twitter new generation pod instagram new generation podcast and on facebook new generation media follow uh, kendall on twitter at new gen ken follow me on twitter ej underscore stewart instagram action ej thank you guys again for listening in for kendall i'm ej Take it easy, guys. Peace.